What's up, Redemption? How you doing? John Hendricks here, as always, for a brand new episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. And this episode, we are recording on the other side of Nationals 2022. And so we're going to be talking about all that that experience was. I have my good friend, Jaden Alstead, who actually won Type 1. So it kind of works out that we've got him here. And we're going to just be talking about our collective experience of Nationals and, you know, what we experienced and, and kind of comparing that to previous nationals and finding out was it really the best nationals ever so if you want to know about our experience and know about things that happened at nationals this is the episode for you as always we're brought to you by covenant games so make sure you go check those guys out and welcome aboard let's get going All right, guys, welcome back to the Threshing Floor Podcast. This is going to be episode number 39, and we're going to be talking about all that Nationals was, and I'm sitting here with someone that's been on the podcast quite a while. He also happened to be the player that brought home the Title Four Type 1, 2 player, so obviously we'll talk about that, but how you doing, Jaden? I'm doing all right, John. Thanks for having me on. I will make one slight disclaimer is that we're recording this uh, a lot later than we planned. We originally planned to record it Wednesday, but I came home into a cold sinus infection, something that had my voice pretty raspy, and now I'm dealing with congestion. So if you hear a lot more mouth breathing than you normally do, I'm just going to go ahead and apologize up front for that. So we'll get that on the record here. You got any disclaimers you want to throw out there too, Jaden? Well, yeah, I guess now that we're recording later, I'm currently dog-sitting for my brother. So if uh, if you hear some dogs barking in the background, then that's that's what that is. It's not just, you know, John making weird noises. Although, <laughs> although most of them will probably be mine. So I guess let me ask you just, just straight up. You've had a few days now to, to sit and think about it and, I guess, recollect. I feel like I've gone through that a couple of times just on what all happened at nationals and the Mm -hmm. experience of it. So how would you, how do you look back on it now? Do you rate it as, was that the best nationals ever? Um, yeah. I mean, I think that like there was so much new stuff going on at this nationals that like, I, I think it is, it was probably my, best nationals ever like met you know best experience uh wise like because i think there were just more there were more people that i was you know looking forward to seeing and hanging out with and, and chatting with and um and i think that you know overall it was just a you know after being like creating content and, and getting closer with people that you know it's not just like my my brother's friends or like people that I, you know, uh, only sort of know, but I feel like over the last few years, even through discord and through content creation and, um, you know, uh, getting to, to talk to people more and more, even over, you know, the, the online methods, I guess, I think made this nationals, much better from even from like a social 
aspect. And then of course, all of the, the new stuff that was released, that was really exciting. Um, and then, you know, getting that type one, two player title out of the way. So I don't have to play type one anymore. That was nice. <laughs> oh man. You can't, you can't say it like that. You're going to have to defend <laughs> it next year. Uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> so if it's on its own day, you're going to try to sneak into type A or you're just not going to play? Come on, man. Mm. I could try to sneak into type A if I just shave and maybe bring like a helium tank with me or something. Should be fine. Yeah, you you will definitely have to uh, do some shaving and the helium's a good touch. <laughs> to round out all of the titles, I guess you do need a type A, right? Um, or do you, you don't have don't, that, do you? I, I don't think I, uh, yeah, no, I don't think I ever won type A. I think I just, I just graduated at, at one point because I, I didn't go to that many nationals before I was 12. Like, I think the, it was in Minnesota in 2011, which was, the year I turned 13. So uh, I did not play type A that year, I believe. Hmm. So to round out the career achievement, you're going to have to find a way to sneak into type A. So next yeah, year, probably. next year would be a good time to do it. Chris mm-hmm. is hosting and you can, you can get a lot of things by Chris. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I obviously only have the one year to compare it to last year. And I kind of feel bad when People ask me because they ask me directly. And, and so since it's only two years, it's a direct comparison last year, this year, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, there, there's been three or four that I've been to. And then you can kind of just base it on, you know, you just lump those together and you take the the good of those and compare with the good of this one. But right. with it just being two, it's a direct comparison. So I, I hate I hate when I think about it like that, because it's almost like I'm I'm knocking last year's nationals because last year's nationals was fun. It was fun uh-huh. getting to kind of meet some people for the first time and see what all that in like playing at nationals, having more than four rounds in a tournament, which, you know, doesn't happen often in our play group and whatnot. So the longer type one event, the longer booster, um, all of that, just getting used to kind of the setup of nationals, the, like the bones of it, how it operates and then the you know camaraderie of the community and stuff it was pretty cool but then you compare that to this year and this year is i I feel like it was leaps and bounds better but that's just because there was just so much engagement opportunity there was so much engagement opportunity that i took all of my sound equipment i even bought an extra microphone to record um a shotgun style mic to record some things so that background noise wouldn't be as much of an issue to kind of cut mm-hmm. through that and didn't record a single thing for the podcast. <laughs> Not a single thing. The first night we spent setting up the live streams and didn't get any side events in. I was hoping to at least try to get one in and never, never played in a side event and never recorded anything. And there was a couple of times I could have recorded, but I didn't feel like I would be able to get enough content for what I was trying to record. Like if I got one or two stories, um, from people about Roy, that's not enough to make a full podcast. So then it's kind of like, <laughs> what do you, what do you do? You just don't worry about it. Right. So, right. Yeah. I think that the, um, I mean, I guess that's kind of a good thing in the sense of like, 
we were busy, you know, having fun, socializing, catching up with people. And um, I did get one Iron Man game in. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, it was just like you know, either working on decks or just hanging out. And you know, there, there were a few side events that went on. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to those. But um, yeah, as, as far as like making content, the thing, some of the things that we were planning to do, we just you know, didn't quite get to all of it, which is, uh, I think, a, a statement of like how how much there was going on at nationals. So, as far as how much engagement there was, what did you think about the overall layout of the event, like the schedule? Uh, as far as like the which events were on which days? Yes. Um, yes, uh, I think that that's probably the. It was probably the best way to do it. And now that you know, the multiplayer categories aren't there, I think it's a more natural way to do it, I guess. Like splitting up, or I think having type 2 and type 1 separate uh, is pretty good, I guess. Like um, just in, in previous nationals when they're together, you're missing out on a lot of the competition in both categories because type 2 takes a lot away from the type one competition and type one takes a little bit away from the type two competition. Cause you know, I think that the people who are more competitive in type two are more likely to play type two, but if they did play type one, they would still be you know, competitive there. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, that, that makes sense because if you think about it, if they were on the same day, which I think is what happened last year, type one and type two, same day for those mm-hmm. main categories, Jeremy, would probably play type one and not play type two. And he won type two. And right. then if they were paired up, you would have played type two and not type one and you won type one. So having them on different days allowed, you know, more, more competition into the player pool and then possibly led to the person winning that ended up winning that otherwise possibly wouldn't be in the category at all if they were paired together. So. Right. And I think that, like part of the reason that they were put together was because I mean there were the multiplayer categories and so it was just harder to split them up. But then also there were um, uh, I think like they were just worried about like oh if someone you know winning both of them the same year you know, is kind of uh, like not giving other people a chance or something like that. I don't know. Or it's just like well if someone wins both of them in the same year they they probably deserve to win both of them in the same year. So uh, I don't think that should be a reason to uh, split them or to, to not split them up, I guess. Um, and I guess we can go through some, some results as we go in and talk about the categories that we each played and whatnot later on. Do you know that or I mean, I don't know how many people actually knew this. We knew this in our, our small circle, but Jeremy had, what we thought was one of the one of the main decks that should be at the top tables and have a chance to win each category that he played. If he had ended up winning type one, he would have gotten the Nationals win and RNRS for both type one, type two, and then also did the same in teams. So he could have like clean swept RNRS points and the, the categories at Nationals based on his body of work throughout the year. So that would have been that would have been pretty impressive. It would have been very impressive. So 
part of the community is probably glad that that didn't happen, you know, just to break it up and have some, some different names at the top there. So that's, that's what you stopped with your win in type one. So, <laughs> well, I don't, I feel like I didn't really do uh, my part in stopping Jeremy and you know, I got to thank uh, Zach Gilba and Josh Potratz for that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a team effort. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I felt kind of bad after, after Jeremy lost to, um, to Josh or whatnot, or I knew that I don't know in the moment if I knew that he directly lost to him or that he wasn't going to win because of him is more what I knew. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, I really shouldn't have loaned him those cards last night when he was, <laughs> when he was asking to borrow some cards. I was like, sorry, Jeremy, I didn't know. <laughs> Oops. Well, I mean, if you hadn't, I probably would have. So it's, it's, it's right. Yeah. But, <laughs> but then I wouldn't have felt guilty on the ride home. Speaking of uh, speaking of ride, I guess we kind of just glossed over this. But how long was um, because you guys did the same thing that we did, kind of carpool and ride. Took a mm-hmm. took a minivan full of people. So how long was your ride in the van from where you are to Nationals? Um, I think we took about five and a half hours to get there. So we we stopped somewhere for lunch and you know, took our time a little bit with that. We didn't want to. Or did, didn't eat in the car so we could you know, stretch out a little bit. And then I think we made one other stop. Ended up being about five and a half hours. So not too bad. We left oh, yeah. Wednesday morning. and yeah. That's that's child's play. <laughs> so this is, this is how our travel went. We, well, I guess I, me and Jeremy, I'll, I'll tell you from our perspective. Because I mm-hmm. picked him up on the way from where I am in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, to Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy's kind of, you know, a couple of hours outside of Knoxville. Um, he drove to a nearby exit so that I didn't have to do anything except for get off the interstate. And um, he got a ride there. And then I picked him up and carried him the rest of the way. So I left about 730, 8 o'clock, something like that, from Tuscaloosa to pick on him morning. on Tuesday morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So on Tuesday morning, I guess that's important for this. Yeah. (laughs) So so Tuesday morning and last year, me and Jeremy carpooled and that was, you know, I had a wreck and lost my beautiful Volkswagen that was paid off and all that. And I haven't bought a replacement car yet because I keep seeing these car payments and I'm like, no, I really don't want to do that. (laughs) But eventually I'll have to break down. But if I had that car again, or if I still had that car, then we probably would have just straight shotted it. Last year we did Texas. It was about 13 hours, one stop mm-hmm. in the middle to refuel and use that as the one bathroom stop. And it was just straight shot. This time we're carpooling with Chris Fashman and a group that he's put together in his van. So we go up to Knoxville, meet them. And so I get to the church about one thirty ish, I think. Tyler drives up from Georgia and meets us there. So there's Chris and Sean from his play group, Sean Sievers, and Tyler, me, and Jeremy. So that's five people. And so we get in his van, we park our vehicles at his house, and we head out to pick up our buddy Brian Jones in Kentucky. So Mm -hmm. we go that way, and it's a good little, little stretch between Knoxville and where we picked him up. So we picked him up in Kentucky, and I'm I'm thinking this is probably around. I want to say it was it, it was almost it it wasn't quite dark yet. So 
maybe six ish, okay. something like that. And then we pick him up, and now we're heading to Bedford, Indiana, which is where Andy Fish, the new owner of Your Turn Games, and his friend Brandon Swango, it's where they attend church, and we're going to sleep over, get a couple hours sleep at their church. They had mm-hmm. some couches and, and whatnot that we they said we could we could sleep, catch a few hours there, and then you know kind of carpool in tandem with them so they'll be in their own vehicle heading to nationals and just so now we have two vehicles i heard that tyler did not get any sleep that night (laughs) did you did you hear that i did he's he said that me and chris because we're both snorers we affected his dreams he said he was having dreams about the sounds (laughs) but he also had a chance to go in a room where everyone that does not snore like, he even had the idea, well, how about the guys that snore sleep outside this room, like in the open, like gym, mm-hmm. and okay, fine idea. And then he goes to sleep on the couch between, like, okay, that makes no sense. <laughs> you had the idea, and then you still slept out there with the people that were snoring. And I feel like if he got his pers- like his perspective sounded different, or just like he thought that you were going to be sleeping wherever Chris was. And then, like, at some point, you were asleep in the, a chair or something that was yes. close to where he was. And he was like, oh, wait, like, I thought he was going over there. But, but he still slept by Chris. So he still chose to sleep by someone that snores. Oh, okay. But Brian Jones, he said that he was a super light sleeper. And I remembered that when I was going to sleep. And I was like, well, Chris is already out here snoring instead of being, you know, kind of a an annoyance to Brian and going in there and waking him up when I fall asleep, I'll mm-hmm. just sleep in this chair here, <laughs> which, okay. And then Tyler, Tyler was yeah. laying there. So whatever. Um, anyway, so, so we go and we get, we get Brian, we get to the church and I think we got to the church not too, too long before like midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course everybody's talking and we we eat some dinner there that Andy's wife I believe had had prepared, and so we we ate and then we were talking just hanging out. And next thing you know, it's like two a.m. and I'm still trying to like put some touches on a Type One deck as one does. Yes, <laughs> and then everyone else was asleep, so I had to make that decision of like I was going to go into that room where there was an open couch, and I was like, ah. But Brian said he sleeps really light, so. I mean, I guess I kind of chose Brian's sleep over Tyler's because <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, Tyler, sorry, Tyler. He's fine. Yeah, he'll, he can, uh, he, he's got more experience recently than Brian, so he didn't need to sleep quite as much. Yeah. Yeah. We'll <laughs> go with that. Um, so, we got up the next morning and then we drove, and I think it was like six and a half, seven hours from there to, Iowa um, or North Liberty to be exact Mm -hmm. to get to the venue. So we got there. Um, I think we could check in at the hotel at either three or four and whatever time we could check in, we got there pretty much right at that time. So you're, you're talking about from leaving at seven between seven and eight on Tuesday morning to arriving there Wednesday afternoon at hotel check-in time for all of that. 
But the amount of like fun and conversations inside the van, like there's there's a certain rule, you know, that what happens in the van has to stay in the van. But there's naturally, yeah. Yeah. There there was a ton of ton of things that we talked about that were awesome and, and getting to know people on a on a, a a deeper level than just interacting with them through the course of a tournament. Like when you're stuck in a van with someone for like sixteen hours, whatever that is. Like some things are going to come out. <laughs> some things are good and some things are bad. Yep. I will tell you one of the conversations that dominated at least a good portion of our trip was I brought up the fact that the lines in the road, the, the dashed lines on the interstate are 10 foot long. But when you look out your window, they look like they're two to four feet. Was it 10 feet? I thought it was six. It's, it's 10 by by official um, regulations, federal regulations for federal okay. highways. And then, so we, we, we just, we created this whole like argument or whatever. And we just <laughs> kept going back and forth. And I was like, but look on that side of the road, like across the way you could, when it was level and you could see, you know, you've got the median, the grass median, but on the other side you see it yeah. and it looks 10 feet. So there was a couple of points where like, we got to red lights or whatever in town to where we were like sliding the van door and yep, it looks about 10 feet. And uh, Chris was like, you know, those people think like just the absolute worst of a, like, what are these buffoons doing? And uh, at one point we mentioned that someone should get out there and lay like somebody that's about six foot, you know, like Brian, you know, Brian, just, mm-hmm. just hustle out there. He's not quite six <laughs> feet. I don't think, but lay on this and see how close you are. Yeah. But I've kind of wanted to do that. We never got a chance to lay someone lay someone down beside it, but <laughs> I feel like the trick is just like because <clears throat> you're you're normally looking at them in front of you, and so your you know perspective is warped, so they just look really small. Yeah, you just got to look out the side of the window when you're like passing them. Yeah, it's quick, but you're like, oh, okay, that's like half the length of the car or whatever. And yeah, there you go. Yeah, so. We stopped at a rest stop at one point, and um, I believe, or no, we stopped to eat. We stopped at a steak and shake. There was one right off the interstate, and we stopped there to eat. We didn't want to take a lot of time, but we also wanted to get out and stretch our legs. So it was between that or a Cracker Barrel, and we thought, eh, you probably have a longer wait at Cracker Barrel. So we did the steak and shake, and Andy was like, so how's it going? How's the van ride? And I told him about the lines. (laughs) And I I don't know if he ever like carried that conversation to Brandon while they were in the van, but I just imagined like sadistically like them having the same conversations and arguing about it while they're writing. No, it's not 10 feet. No, it is. It's not <laughs> just back and forth. And then I just wonder what it would look like when one of them stopped and got out and walked around the van and <laughs> tried to measure it, eyeball it. With those two guys, I feel like the conversation would be pretty, uh, you know, fairly tame and be like, Oh yeah, maybe, maybe you're right about that. You know, like I feel like they're, they're two pretty easygoing guys. Whereas yeah. your van was like, you know, you got some, we've got the lightning bolts of personality. <laughs> we've got some very strong personalities and I, I don't know who has the strongest, but um, yeah, I, I see what you mean there. So yeah, that was one thing that, that we talked about. Another thing we talked about was like, ranking like horror uh horror movie films and like the franchises and then tyler took that as to who do you think would be the hardest for me to 
escape from. It, so like if he was going to escape from one of them and he was like, if I'm going to escape from, um, who was it? The one that he says always walks really slow towards their, their prey. He's like, so all I've got to do is jog at a medium pace and I'm getting away. <laughs> and like, who's the hardest to get away from? And, and like the ones he was talking about was Freddie, Jason, Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy, um, just random things. And one of the, one of the, I guess, franchises, even though I, I only think they did. Well, I think they ended up adding a couple of films that really weren't that good, but the whole Final Destination thing. Good luck, Tyler, outrunning death itself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get away from that guy. Uh, this is this is out of my wheelhouse, so I'm I'm not too familiar, but I can I can imagine the conversation and the ways it would go. Our our van was mostly, I mean, like we're all people who have known each other for many years, uh, but I guess it, it was probably mostly like Bill and Nathan Voigt kind of getting caught up on some of the rules because I haven't played quite as much in the last you know, few years because we haven't had many tournaments and that kind of stuff. And uh, that and then Bill and I having some you know, kind of like theological conversations and that causing him to uh, miss a turn or two because you know, he wasn't thinking about the directions. <laughs> and so we were like, I got blamed for distracting the driver with, one of our theological discussions. Yeah, that sounds like something you would do. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I agree with the rest of the van. You were guilty. Judgment shall be rendered. I'll, I'll take it. So when you guys got to, because I believe we we met you guys, you, were, you had already checked into the hotel um, when we were checking in. So how what were, what were your initial thoughts about the hotel? Because I have some that are painted a little differently. Um <laughs> How did you feel about the hotel when you first got there? Well, so I mean, initially we we were just thinking like, okay, let's get to the hotel, check in real quick. So like, Bill just went in to check in, and then we drove over to the church because I was like, oh, I want to get over there to get you know everything like my my stream stuff set up and whatever, so that we're ready for you know side events tonight and and all that and. Then we got to the church and we like, we parked on the, the opposite side. Um, Cause I mean, that's just kind of normally where we go when we're at tournaments and at, at Gabe's church. Cause it's not usually in the big like sanctuary. Um, and so we were walking through the entire church and we saw like a few of the um, like staff members and stuff. And, didn't really get too many weird looks, but uh, then we got to the sanctuary area and we were like, wait, like, where is everybody? Because, <laughs> like, you know, we were expecting everyone to just be, like, hanging out and stuff and, um, you know, getting getting everything set up because we saw the pictures from Roy in the, in the Discord earlier that morning when, you know, the, the judges and stuff kind of getting things ready and set up. And so then we got there and we were like, uh, I, I called John and I was like, so where are you guys? And <laughs> he was like, oh, I'm out in, at some high V visiting some friends and uh, the church doesn't actually open until eight. And we were like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we didn't need to get here this early, but that's, that's all right. So then we went back to the hotel and that's when we were hanging out in the, in the common area after we 
got all our stuff settled into the room and that's when when you arrived and uh and then that's that's where we caught up to you and overall like we, we had already kind of been made aware that the pool wasn't going to work or wasn't, you know, and it wasn't operational or whatever up to code. Um, and so that, that was okay. But then we got there and found out that the elevator didn't work and we were on the third floor and it was like, okay, well, it's kind of annoying, especially because that stairway doesn't have air conditioning. Um, and like, other than that, we didn't have too many other problems. Like, you know, the, the key cards, Took a couple tries sometimes, but that's that's normal hotel stuff. Yeah, well, kind of in there is kind of the basis for my statement. I'm going to go ahead and say it that the Sleep In Hotel, I believe the address was 485. Um, hold on, I've got my yeah, receipt. I've like got my whole like, Yelp review. 485 mm-hmm. Madison Avenue North, North Liberty, Iowa, five two three one seven. Phone number 319-665-2700. That sleep in hates fat people. I just want to go ahead on record and say that that hotel hates fat people. And I'll give you a few reasons. Third floor, <laughs> when there were still rooms on the second floor, they gave us a third floor room. You mentioned the stairwells that it's not just that they had no air conditioning because that's understandable. There was no airflow at all. So it's literally like you push that door to walk into the stairwell and you get hit with this wave of like just thick, like humid heat. And so the elevator was messed up. Also, the first morning that we were there, they didn't even have breakfast show up. The people that were supposed to show up and cook the breakfast or provide that didn't didn't show up. But our room had the air conditioner on, and it was on low cool, I believe. And it felt like it was 100 degrees in there. And I was like, okay, you can't have a broken elevator. You can't have, you can't have like us being on the third floor having to walk up here. And when I walk into the room, get hit with a heat wave because the air conditioner is not working. And so I turn it to max cool and I'm like, maybe we'll, we'll just see. And Mm -hmm. having been in the car for two days, my first thing is I want to get a shower. So I go to get a shower and the floor of the, the shower was so slick and it's like okay well i'll just grab i'll just grab the uh you know there's not really a handle in inside the the shower so i grabbed the like shower rod i was like i'll just use this for stability and it's about to fall out of the wall like the screws are barely in and i'm like this is just this is just i'm gonna have to yell for jeremy jeremy i've fallen and i can't get up (laughs) and i was like please come extend your arm to Sustainable as me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I got my shower, got out, put on a clean shirt, went and sat down on the bed. And five minutes later, I had to change my shirt before we left because it was just drenched. That's how hot the room was. And I had been hot from obviously the steam in the shower and coming out. So I, I walked out of there. I was like, Jeremy, this hotel hates fat people, man. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. <laughs> um, and in then their I, defense. I'm pretty sure they had like just been bought by uh, like there was a new owner or something and they were still figuring some things out, I guess. Or supposedly. I don't know. Was the new or owner they just hate fat people? I was the know. new owner fat? Because <laughs> if question. so, this is some fat on fat crime and I'm not here for it. <laughs> um so anyway, we, we head down and 
I carry all of my cards because I all of my rotation cards fit in one one box. It's a pretty bulky box, but I carry it down because I just when we go to the church or whatever, I wanted to have all of my cards accessible to potentially throw a deck together if I had time for a side event or something. That obviously didn't happen because we mentioned that we spent the entire allotment of time after the church opened setting up the streams and whatnot. But then Chris is like, and I'm going to go ahead and put this out on, on record here. I'm sorry, Chris, but Chris was like, we, we need to go get some food. So I think we should, we should leave now because if Roy's group shows up, Roy's going to want to sit and talk and then all the time for us getting food is going to be gone. So he was like, if, if we get called by Roy, we're not getting food before the church opens. <laughs> so we decided doing some, uh, doing some thinking ahead. So he's like, I love, I love Roy, but if we want food, we got to leave. And so I was like, all right, well, where are we going? And they're like, we're going to some food court or something. And then it turns out we're going to high V who, who you think put us on that? <sighs> oh, oh, definitely John. But they actually had some really nice food. Um, they had a couple of different restaurant options there. Um, they had pizza. They had an hibachi style um, place. They had, I think one of them was like a, a salad place. Yeah, they had, they had a pretty good variety there. Yeah, and then they had a wall burgers. Um, but I didn't want to spend $40 on a burger, so <laughs> I just stuck with <laughs> yeah, that $8 sure pizza. Was, I think Tyler was like the only one who actually eat. Got something at Wahlburgers. <laughs> yeah, so we we all get there, and you want to know one of the one of the funniest comments was they were asking where you guys were because Justin and was it you and Justin playing at the at the hotel when we left? Oh, were you guys uh, playing? Jared and Jared and Justin were playing. Oh, there you I go. Was, I was finishing up my Type Two deck. Okay, all right, and they were like, "Well, it's probably going to be a while before those guys get here because." Justin was involved in the game, and they were like, "You know Justin, so that thing's headed for a three-hour timeout." Well, that and like Jared was playing Resetti, which you know further um, furthers the start, point, right? Yeah, just gonna. But anyway, we we got there and we were we ended up eating, and it was kind of a a cool little spot to hang out in the in between, you know, of checking into the hotel and then the church opening at eight. Um, I met quite the character there because for the first time I was able to met uh, to to met I was able to meet for the first time Daniel and oh, yeah. Daniel is a character I'm not sure what kind of character but he's definitely <laughs> a character <laughs> yeah he's a fun guy he he is fun and he the way that he like words things before he gets to the point of what he's saying is quite hilarious so mm-hmm. um. Got to get him on here sometime. Yeah. I don't know if I got enough enough memory card for that. <laughs> but got to if, meet if him. If you got enough for, for John early, then you probably got enough for him. Yeah. <laughs> and then Josh Josh showed up with him. So we got to, to talk there. And therein is where Josh um, started his, his talk with Jeremy to figure out how to beat him. I'm just, I'm just saying – Josh is Josh was putting in the research on day one there of how to how to circumvent the circus deck. So <laughs> there you that's go. Kind of his mo. So yeah, he's 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 quite the undercover undercover guy. He's like ah, just show me what you're playing. 
Yeah. Now well, I will I mean, beat he's, it. He's pretty open with what he plays, so then it kind of is like, well, if, you know, if if he's going to be open with that, then you know, okay, fine. You know, I'll kind of be open with it, and that's something that I find kind of funny, just like at the you know high level of play that some of these players are at, where they're just like. Like I don't I don't know if it's just a an openness about it or if it's like a confidence of like, you know, here's what I'm playing, good luck trying to beat it kind of thing. Yeah. I I'm sure it's more just the, the confidence of you know, how they feel about themselves as players versus what they know the meta has been in the tournament season leading up to it. Like nothing's mm-hmm. going to come out completely out of left field with as much sharing that we have going on with the community. So I'm, I'm sure that's part of it. And then it's kind of like, I think most people feel the way, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you feel that way, but I assume you probably do that when you won type one, it's not because you had the best deck, but you had a good enough deck and then you're just a, a solid player piloting that deck and knowing it well. So I think somewhere in there to where like, their ability as a player and just having an adequate deck. You don't have to have quote unquote the deck. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like I don't, I don't think my deck was the, the best deck out there. And I actually, speaking of kind of the, you know, things not coming out of left field, Jeremy's deck actually did kind of come out of left field a little bit for me. Like I, I had heard that he had something different i guess than like a, the typical widow build but i didn't really know much about it other than that and so um you know it's possible that if i had known that our game might have gone slightly differently because i might have recognized you know that playing i could play christian martyr on his uh father abraham and he wouldn't have had another hero to play um numerous on and and so that that might have changed things a bit i think he still would have gotten there so i think he had another way to play delivered or something like that to to go to denarius and and be able to to draw but you know just that kind of thing at least you know for for me was was relevant to like not knowing exactly what he was doing um before the game so uh, there, there, there are cases in which that definitely does make a difference. Um, I do, I do really like Jeremy's deck and think that he probably you know, found the best version of Widow. Um, but you know, after watching the game with uh, between him and Josh, you can also see you know, how it can fall apart. Yeah, you said it kind of came out of left field for you. I played in the entire tournament season in left field, apparently. So I saw the deck, unfortunately, a few different times and, and saw it kind of progress to what it ended up being. And every time he made any changes, it just seemed like it got stronger and stronger. And so if you're really talking about, and this is something that we talked about on the van ride, and Jeremy would never never say anything that would come across arrogant in any way. That's just not who he is as a person. Right. But like what I told you, he had the chance to potentially clean sweep every category he played in RNRS and the tournament at nationals. We were talking about who would be the best active player right now and kind of how it's, you know, 
you don't have anybody that's just clear cut. Absolutely, they're the the top one because last year you did great at nationals, but then Josh also did great coming coming back into play. You know, kind of later in the season and and you know finding a way to wait the corn coin flip into mm-hmm. I almost said corn flip, which kind of makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes sense. Texas. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, corn's on the brain. You know, the yeah, state flower right. of Iowa, yeah. but um, wait the coin flip against Love at First Sight in his favor to where he was still able to do well against other deck types and won type one last year. That's a pretty good mm-hmm. showing. And then he shows up this year, wins booster with phase two coming out and then turns around and is one one game away from winning type one again in back to back years. And we talk about how important it was for like the I, I don't know like the perceived legacy from the outside for john because he was able to win back to back i mean josh was right there on the cusp of that so you got josh right. in that conversation you but like jeremy would never put himself in that conversation to the point to where no one on the van even though knowing that that was an option for jeremy when we were talking about best players didn't really even mention jeremy but mostly, like, I didn't want to harp on it too much because I didn't want to make him, you know, put make him feel uncomfortable or whatever talking about <laughs> that type of thing. Get his face red and everything. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> definitely, could you imagine though if he had if he had won that? Then you have to say he's probably probably the best active player if he if he had swept nationals like that. But then it's also the fact that the last two years the combo style deck that has gotten to nationals as the best version of that deck both times mm-hmm. jeremy chambers is piloting it so if a, another combo comes out that's broken like i mean we just have to assume that the best version of that is going to come from jeremy somehow <laughs> to know yeah. to put like the numerous as the stars with the the defense having star stars and whatnot and it's like these stars don't even matter, you know, until like it's teams against the Allsteads and it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that later, but it's like we just putting, to. just putting, yeah, I think, I think we might have to, it's, <laughs> it's my one shot to fame here. Right. All right. Um, but just able to take an idea of a deck. And at first it was just a raw speed, of widow okay widow helps you deck out and at first it was i'm going to throw down the cross and golden calf and these counters and then jd started playing again and in the lackey grand prix he's like okay once you deck out you can do this invoking terror thing and then they limit it to four so then you adjust your deck to that the invoking terror play isn't quite as strong anymore because you don't get to just loop it infinitely Mm -hmm. um but all of those changes and just at the top of at the top of the list of decks, after every one of those changes, was Jeremy's deck, and just to the point to where when it got to nationals, like that was, I'll, I'll say that I believe that that was probably the most refined deck that involved Widow. But even if you were able to get away from Widow, like that deck could still do some damage because of the numerous as a stars play, but also mm-hmm. adding in the reset for if it gets behind or has lost momentum to be able to reset with three nails. Like that was a pretty, a pretty cool, pretty cool deck. And right. I ended up playing at the Southeast regionals. So I get the benefit of getting to go to two regionals because I get, I drive up to Tennessee for East central regionals 
So I get potentially two state tournaments at least and two regionals before nationals, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. But I played Jeremy with your Patriarch's piece of Resetti deck, literally just the exact list, no changes. Mm-hmm. And I played Jeremy, and it was it was the greatest game I've ever played. Really? It was it was so fun. Um, at one point, Tyler Tyler's walking around doing his whole getting ready for nationals judging thing, and after you know a couple of a rounds of turns, like I take a turn, he takes a turn. Then Tyler's just standing there observing our game, and you know, <laughs> no matter what happens with anybody else, putting you guys on the clock, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know about a clock. I don't think anybody hits anything about a clock at this point. But this this game included I reset twice, both with a new beginning and with three nails. He reset with three nails. I did an awesome mayhem play, so kind of like another reset because he didn't have mm-hmm. anything in territory except for like maybe one one hero or something. So resetting his hand was kind of a reset to him. And it just went down to the wire. And at the end, I made a misplay that cost me because I I probably had the win if I did it the other way after we talked through it afterwards. But at the end, I needed to get a blocker, and he had, he had searched and drawn. And so I go crouch choice into Firefoxes. Mm-hmm. I had Leviathan in the deck. So I should have gone to Leviathan to grab fire from heaven, from the reserve to have a negate big body character that probably gets a block there, but he can also grab an animal. So I could have grabbed Firefoxes for next round. And I oh, ended up sure. having an enhancement for the next block, but I didn't have a body to play it on. And he ended up just walking in for the last soul and ended up winning five, four. Huh. But I mean, there was, there was this one play to where, um, and see, it's it's been so long since because I didn't want to out anything about Jeremy's deck, so I didn't talk about it. But I really wanted to talk about it on the podcast like that next day because <laughs> just it was such a great game. Um, I would have known. Yeah, yeah, then you would have known. So <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I mean, I think that you, know, you doing that well against you know the deck that Jeremy had been refining for a while with a deck that you know, it was relatively new to you i think you know goes to um you know show that i mean with rossetti being kind of a more technical deck or like it's difficult to play then you know the game being that close i think uh you know definitely says something about the power of being able to get those resets and you know being able to to time it well like jared i think did he end up placing seventh um I think he was, I think he he was at the top tables there at the end, and I think he ended up falling down because of losing to he lose to you at the end. Yeah, yeah, um, he lost to me in the last round, and I think that that was and that was because like, he was just. Uh, I think Tyler Tyler mentioned this that he just in his head he was stuck on the fact that you must have mayhem, and so he kind of played around that. But you ended up having vain philosophy, which kind of had a nice like resurgence this tournament season like mm-hmm. vain philosophy is so good oh yeah um but yeah i i think he ended up falling down but had he had he found a way to tie or whatever i think he he was right around if, if he would if he had beaten me he definitely would have placed yeah but I'm, I'm i think even with a tie i think he would have had a shot at at third or fourth i think is what someone else 
you, you know, everybody talks about every scenario after right. <laughs> after a round. They're like, well, if I had done this or done that, then I would place here and, and mm-hmm. all of that. But Jared had a really good showing at nationals for it being his first his first yeah. nationals. And that that guy's going to be a pretty good player. Oh, yeah. But in the game with, with Jeremy, back to that, he also impartial judgment uh, my hand. He mm-hmm. hit me with impartial judgment. He ended up getting put in a tight spot after one reset to where he did widow with only meet Noah down. So just to draw four, just, just to do draw four, like so, it, just making him burn some of those resources before the reset. And so I kind of took that into the deck that I played at nationals, but I didn't add Soul Gen, which was a problem. I should have had the other Melchizedek in reserve instead of the um, Protect Lost Souls one. I should have had the one that generates a soul. Or I should have put um, Chariot of Fire in as, you know, a, a tech just because mm-hmm. I have all these prophets out and I could have rescued any of those because not having Soul Gen ended up hurting me so much in just about every game at Nationals. But against Jeremy, mm-hmm. the, the coolest play I had against Jeremy was I put Unsuccessful, I had it in my hand, and I was like, all right, because you know how you, you built the deck, it's got – the the animals or whatever and i was playing just your straight version before any changes at this point right i was like i've got unsuccessful but i've already lost my emperor nero um i gotta get to coliseum lion to be able to play this that's a lot to to set up so i'm just gonna activate unsuccessful as a negate the last and i <laughs> did it as an artifact and then he went numerous as the stars for six and he lays it down so proudly and he starts to search, and I was like, I'm actually going to discard this to negate the last. <laughs> and so he had to put them back, and that stalled him almost completely. I bet, yeah. That... And and so taking out numerous and lowering the effects of or the, the benefits of Widow in that game, man, it was so awesome. Hmm. And I, Yeah, unsuccessful as an artifact is kind of underrated. Like, I mean, it's it's – such a good enhancement that it feels bad to activate as an artifact, but yeah, if it makes sense to activate as an artifact, don't be afraid to do it. Yeah, and I, I think a deck that actually can use two of the place um, negate last enhancement so that they're you're almost forcing the opponent to have chronicles to get rid of them, or you know, multiple multiple answers for them. So that you know what I mean. So once one's placed, they have an answer for it. It's a lot harder to have an answer for two of them. Right, and it seems like there's a there's a couple of different decks that could with the the amount of splashing now and the amount of those cards that have been created that you could have that down, and just getting it off one time can completely stall a deck strategy. Yeah. So, and fewer people are um, even you know, playing Chronicles these days now. Yeah. Like, let's see, we got the. Uh, um, <clears throat> So the list that Gabe posted the top eight card count and yeah, Chronicles was in two of the top eight decks. Yeah. So I've got, place enhancements pretty good. I've got three or four copies and I don't think I, I played it, but maybe like in one tournament this year, <laughs> it's just, there's, there's a lot better. There's a lot, lot better options for, helping boost your your deck strategy or to help ensure an, a quick answer against a, a certain play that you know is going to happen, like Vein Philosophy, being able to get rid of something that they just searched for 
make them waste the resource to search for it. You know, they go New Covenant to Emmaus Road. You let them go ahead and grab Delivered or something. So they, they burn that, and then before they can play Delivered, Vain Philosophy, just to... Right. So now yeah. that they, they've put the Emmaus Road back in their deck, and now you put Delivered there, they've already used their artifacts a lot. That's a lot of... A lot of I guess attrition for that turn and that prep phase for them to work through before being able to get some more traction. And Chronicles has this, it has this weird way for me. Like I just want to throw it down and stop someone's prep phase to the point to where I don't play it very well a lot of times because <laughs> you can yeah. keep it and make it a battle negate. And it's great that way. It really is fantastic that way, mm-hmm. but it's kind of hard to, to do that when you know that if you time it right and you guess right and they're going into a big prep phase, you can force them to do all of that in their discard phase before they get a rescue. And now you're throwing off the tempo of the game, especially if you're Mm -hmm. able to reset in the, you know, like on your turn reset after they burn some, some resources, but it's, it's just, it's so hard to actually play it that way and it be effective that way you might hit it like one out of 20 times where you play it in prep phase and it actually matters. Right. Because otherwise they're like, well, I've got foreign wives and I'm going to activate delivered on foreign wives. <sighs> of course you are. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, like at least in, in my deck, Chronicles was what got cut for vain philosophy. And just against like the combo kind of decks or like, you know, the widow decks, if Jeremy, you know, searches for numerous as the stars and I have Van Philosophy, I'm going to feel a lot better than if I had Chronicles because, you know, I can play Chronicles and force it into doing this discard phase, but I could also just play Van Philosophy and, yeah, you know, make it so that he, he doesn't do, do it, it at, this all. Turn at all. Yeah. yeah. And so even if I did have Van Philosophy in, in our game, um, you know, he, yeah, if I did have Vain Philosophy in our game, then it would have made a big difference. Uh, if I had Chronicles, it would have made a, probably no difference at all because he might not have been able to rescue on the first turn, but he was very in control of the game already. Um, where like my shot to win would have been that, and then also lucking into drawing my Son of God and Second Coming. Yeah. So you'd have to have some some pretty solid luck in addition right. to the right card in your hand already. So um, I guess let's talk about the – so you won a category. I won a category. Jeremy won every other category. <laughs> um, yep. turns, out, turns out if your name starts with J and you play Redemption, you're going to be pretty good, kid. Just hold on because <laughs> Booster was won by a guy named Josh. Josh – Potrats, and then type one, or I'm sorry, type two, if we go in the order of schedule, was won by mm-hmm. Jeremy Chambers. You won type one, Jaden. I believe Willow Isbell won type A, so no J there. So, but in in defense of the Js, I don't think there were any Js in type A. So okay, so so you remove them, and then you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> but but then in Sealed deck, Josh Knit won. And then John, myself, and Jeremy Chambers won in teams. So 
which Jays have it. And you know, had had you guys ended up winning, you would have been double Jays as a team as well, winning. <laughs> so, just it it just seems like if you if your name starts with J, even if you're not very good at redemption right now, just just hold on, your day's coming. <laughs> You know, like I'm not. If it has to do with all of the the J names in the Bible, like it seems like every third name starts with a J in the Bible, so maybe that's like, you know, just continues through through that. Yeah, until some random guy shows up and he's like, "Hi, I'm Ehud, and I play Redemption. <laughs> I've just got this dagger in this deck that I'm going to win with." Yeah, and this this angel under the oak and all that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. I guess when I when I mentioned that we win categories, so we got a copy of the winner promos. So you got Foil, King of Tyrus, Foil, Treacherous Land, Foil, Humble Lost Soul for mm-hmm. winning type one. What do you think about those cards? How how good do they look? They look really good. Um, yeah, I I was I mean if I had a nitpick, like there was a tiny little border on the the left and bottom sides that's like just gray i guess or kind of like straight foiling or whatever Uh, where it's like off center from the from the printer right yep and then also i think that the the foil has a tendency to like scratch more easily like you got to be pretty careful with these um yeah at least like the one the one that john you know, had in, in his case up there, KOT had a you know, like scratch along his bicep that um, you know, I think definitely you know, takes the price down on that one a little bit. That's um, just where he injected the steroid needle. <laughs> that's true. It was, it was probably just a you know, scar from from combat. Yeah, uh, Michael's sword probably is to blame. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think they look awesome though. Um, I'm. I'm you know, curious to see like how foils will progress or like, you know, where, where they'll be used next year. And if they'll, you know, if they're, they'll be able to kind of refine the, the printing process to make them, you know, all centered and, and whatnot. Like, I mean, they look great. No complaints whatsoever, especially for the like first time going through. Yeah. But you know, third, um, I'm, I'm also excited to see, how they can improve over time and, you know, how, how they'll be used. Maybe like, you know, it'd be cool to have like a foil card in like each set or something like that, or like a, you know, the, the promo kind of cards or like box toppers as they, as they say, you know, um, or as they, they do in like magic and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or potentially like the, the plus version of the ultra rares or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'd be cool. I, was able to obviously get them from winning teams and then RNRS and teams. So I have a couple of each of them and there are some, some spots and I was nervous about putting them in the sleeve because Gabe had showed me some of the, the test ones that he done. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that they do scratch easily and you can, you can see the wear from where they've been, you know, like shuffled through and looked at and whatnot. And he said that the printer mentioned to him that, even Magic the Gathering foil cards scratch, which we know that that's not really the case, or at right, least not yeah. <laughs> not without malice intent. Like Pokemon mm-hmm. cards, and I, I mentioned this to Gabe when we were talking about it, is they have like the texture that you can kind of feel. 
versus just being like a painted layer, so to speak. Right. So like it's kind of like built into the card a little bit more or ingrained into it a little bit better to where it offers more resistance to scratching. But mm-hmm. I was nervous about putting them in sleeves for the first time because I didn't want like the edge of the sleeve to catch them and do a scratch after I never saw the one that John had in his box that had the big scratch, but I heard about it and everyone was like, so if you get one, put it in the sleeve and don't touch it because yeah. they scratch <laughs> like super easy. And I was like so nervous mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like the whole ride home, I was like, where's my, where's my deck box that had, had my promos. I was like, don't <laughs> let that get moved around too much. Right. Cause they were, they actually rode home in my deck box with my team's deck without any sleeves on them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So oh, I was, I was super nervous. <laughs> um, but you know, I, you could say that I was a fool, but we, we kind of left in a hurry like that. Yeah. Um, and having yeah. to pack so many, so many additional items from people, you know, like I ordered more sound equipment that got delivered to Gabe's house to use for nationals that mm-hmm. we use for live streaming on, uh, Rob set up, but and the forty pounds of plaques that you guys had to bring back. Oh yeah, you you really <laughs> liked the the picture of the band, didn't you? I thought that was pretty good, yeah. especially with that big belt. <laughs> Brian was he was right there at the end. If he could have beaten Josh Knit at the at mm-hmm. the end, yeah. he possibly gets first place there. But he would have gotten first place in R and R S there. So he he potentially oh, could have yeah. added two more plaques there. And like no. our van would have cleaned up even more so than it did, but his name didn't start with the J. So, yeah. So, you know, he was, he was quite, he was almost there, but not quite. That's because his last name starts with J, not his first name oh, sure next year. Good. Next year he's going to be going by like his, his first name or something. I don't know what it's like. I don't know if he's got a different first name or something, but he's going to be like, my name's John Brian Jones. <laughs> I'm here to win. Yep, yep, there you go. Just to, just to add a little bit more uh, flair to it. Mm-hmm. But I did I did really appreciate the foil and, and them going through the effort to try to make the promos pop and look good and just add another element to them. Mm-hmm. But I was I was super, super nervous about the fact that they scratch easily. So I'm eventually right. going to get some inner sleeves and put those in inner sleeves. And I don't know if I'll actually ever play with them. Since mm-hmm. I have the two, I could put one, you know, as, you know, for my collection of Nats winners promos and then have one that's a played copy. Right. But, yeah, I think that that's like, that, that was definitely one of the things that I was thinking about. I was like, okay, do I actually want to use these? Because like, <laughs> they, like other promos and stuff, like the the full art ones and you know, the re, or previous Nats promos, like I don't really have any problem actually like using those but these ones i was like well uh, i'm kind of worried about like taking them in and out of sleeves um but yeah maybe just doing an an inner sleeve and then you know if i ever do want to use it in a deck then i'll just have to you know have inner sleeves on the whole deck which is you know probably for the best anyway i'll probably order some of those ones that jared found recently that uh yeah said fit pretty well so yeah, that that was what I was thinking. Order some of those, also just to keep them from potentially curling, since they're a foil based card. Right. Um, I don't know how much they'll they'll do since it seems like a lot of the foil is kind of painted on, since it scratches off, versus mm-hmm. like the card having a layer of that foil 
as like the top layer of it. I, I don't know how much that affects the, you know, tendency for it to warp or whatnot. Oh, um, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely could make a difference. I know like the like reverse hollow Pokemon cards that my kid opens every now and then because he likes to collect Pokemon cards. I know if you leave those like out to where they can dry out, I guess they, they just get dry and curl up. Huh. Um, but again, that's like, it feels more like that's more of the card material versus being painted on or inked on, if you will. Right. Yeah. I will say, um, looking through Gabe's um, test cards, first of all, the Noah looked fantastic. It looked awesome. <laughs> but the cards that had the blue hue to them looked the best, I think. Like, mm-hmm. there was a Harvest Time in there that had the, you know, the blue edge. It was full art. It looked really good. John's John's Gabriel Ultra Rare Plus that was blue looked fantastic. Um, I didn't hear, I I didn't see it, but I did hear that your Star of Bethlehem looks really good in person. That's true. Um, I was going to, we talked about that at one point and I was like, oh yeah, I'll show you. And then I don't think I ever did. Yeah. So I, I passed my opportunity to see that one in person. So I guess when you come to Alabama State Tournament next year. (laughs) <laughs> since you you already promised you can't no take backs mm, um that's right we did say that didn't we we did wasn't there some kind of condition on that like uh, i don't know i guess we'll have to we'll have to listen back <laughs> yeah um i believe that was so, episode 37 where we talked about us. that yeah so the the ones with the blue and i i did at one point in the van i told them i was like no matter what guys the thing that I want to leave nationals with the most, and like I still had a chance for, I still had a chance for teams, you know, like going into it, I had a chance to win teams, R and RS, or you know, the tournament itself, to get promos and get the King of Tyrus and all that. I was like, the one card I want to walk away with is an ultra rare plus version of Gabriel, <laughs> and all the winning that Jeremy had done, like up up to that point, he's like, I haven't seen a ultra rare plus laid out in the the winter promos. And so there was one put up there the last day and Jeremy ended up taking something else from the other row instead of, so I could get that one. I was like, you didn't have to do that, but if you did, I'm going to take it because we had talked about getting the extra ultra rare or the plaque for, um, R and R S. Cause there was only one, even though we tied for R and R S and he's like, I've got plenty of these so you can just have the plaque. I was like, okay, that's that's a that's a mild mannered flex, right there. <laughs> like as mild mannered as you can be, I've got I've got plenty of these. Uh-huh. So I was I was definitely glad to to scoop up the the Gabriel because I think as far as cards in a set, I think that's my favorite card in a set, like artwork style. I think that's the best looking redemption card out of a set that's not a promo. Like I, I really like I, I love the artwork, and it could be that you know I've got the comic books and I've read the comic books now, and I've I've seen that artwork or whatever before, and then also the cool factor of like you see it, it's a wow factor. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it does look really nice. I think that's I think that and the Beelzebub Ultra Rare Plus are the two that I still need. That uh, unfortunately did not open either of those in the box opening that Jared and I did. Uh, Last Thursday, so I've got two of the Beelzebub Ultra Rare Pluses. Ooh. Um, my one I'd pack. Have to talk after this. Yeah. My one pack that um, 
that Rob sold me of Super Packs, I also opened an Ultra Rare Plus of the Resurrection. Mm-hmm. So I had a, wow. I had a pretty good pretty good nationals as far as you know racking up ultra rares and and promos. Yeah, yeah you, you got some of your money's worth. <laughs> well, some of my some of my money's worth here. I guess we we can mention that because you recently became the proud owner of a 2016 Son of God. I did. Yeah. That the word on the street is you did. I guess I assume that's confirmed. Yeah, um, completed from, my my national promos collection. Did you? Nice. Yep. I'm one card away after nationals because I had a certain sum of money that I put into one of the boxes for of my microphone so that it would be tucked away. It was you know money for spending that I was hoping to all the boxes that I bought and things come out of that money. Um, so I had kind of set it aside. I put it in an envelope. It was cash from the bank. And I also knew that I needed cash to register. Mm-hmm. And so when we got there that night at 8 o'clock and we started setting up, I started opening all of my equipment and taking it out of the boxes. And I came across that money and I was like, oh, man, I've got one of these small like half-flip wallets. So it, I wasn't going to be able to hold an envelope of cash. <laughs> I was like, John, do you mind? Because he had his stuff set up. I was like, do you mind holding on to this for me? And I should have known giving that money to John, I was never going to see it again because when I went to ask for it back, he just kept, yeah, I've got your card right here. And then he starts like showing me the 2016 son of God. He's got in like the sealed inner sleeve. And he's mm-hmm. like, all, all we, all we got to do is just, you know, shake hands on it. Just let me know. Let me know when you're ready. And the whole time, like I'm setting up, he just kept making these comments. And so I ended up never getting that money back and ending up with a 2016 son of God and a couple of other promos that I needed. Uh, one of those being the 2016 captain of the host. And then also the 2018 angel of the Lord with all the, all of the lightning. So I only need one, one promo now to complete my collection. And that's the 2018 son of God, the one with the blue, Mm. which would look good as a foil, by the way, because of the blue. That would look pretty sweet. Yeah. But I'm I'm one card away from from finishing out the collection, and so then we after so Chris even got involved and he's like, dude, I don't know about the I don't know about the 2018 Angel of the Lord because you can find that later on, but this Captain and Son of God, I'm not letting you walk away without getting it. And Chris <laughs> is like, because I know how much you want it. You talk about it all the time, and it's mm-hmm. like you may never get another opportunity like this. Like they're right there. They're in great condition. You've already like money that doesn't affect my ability to pay for other things at nationals. It was money I had set aside for extra spending. And he was like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to tell you, you got to get the angel of the Lord, but I'm not letting you walk away from these two. And I was like, all right, fine. (laughs) So I ended up, I ended up giving him like all of that. Plus I owed him, I owed him extra 50 when we were all done. I was like, well, I'll have to go buy an ATM and get you some more money out. Mm-hmm. And so then we got back in and we were leaving and going back to the hotel and the whole van is clowning me at this point. Cause they're like, did you register? I was like, no. <laughs> and they're like, you do know you need cash for that. And I was like, crap, that's why I was bringing cash. I was like, I knew I needed that. And for the food truck, I was like, yeah. that John early, he really got me. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, I'm happy to have gotten that close to completing the collection and just being one card away now. And, you know, if anybody out there is listening and they've got a, a sweet deal on a blue 2018 son of God, you know, 
holla at your boy, but <laughs> maybe he'll let you on the podcast as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll trade you a slot on the podcast for it. <laughs> Has the podcast reached that kind of that kind of reach yet? That'd be nice if I can I can trade spots on the podcast for promos. <laughs> oh, you want a national promo? You want to be on the podcast? I need that King of Tyrus. <laughs> Thanks, Nationals. You can you can float that by the winners after. Yeah, when when you try to do the podcast stuff, you, you mean when I bring all my equipment and don't record? <laughs> <laughs> like even Tyler, like kind of kind of jabbed at me in his video. He was like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> he was like, Hendrix is like seven times. He's zero and seven for bringing equipment and not recording. And I was like, ah, he's not wrong. Yeah, like I had it easy. Most of my stuff was during the events. <laughs> yeah, we we did record one one time at Chris's church but there was just so much echo in an empty room that like when one person talked it bled into the it echoed and bled into the other mic to where it was completely unusable Mm -hmm. recordings so i ended up actually recording but not getting to do it so i ended up driving late like leaving chris's at i don't know 11 o'clock at night from a tournament having a five-hour trip and you know that maybe maybe it was around ten o'clock. I don't know, but I gain an hour going from his because I go back to Central Time from Eastern Time, right. so it's actually I guess about four hours, four and a half in the vehicle. But you gain that hour on the clock, so it doesn't feel as bad. Mm-hmm. But I ended up driving really late into the night and being super tired driving, and you know, risking all that for recording that could not be used. <laughs> and I was like. Man, that's just my luck. The one yep. time I do record, I still can't use it. But the, my heart is in the right place. Like I want to be able to do that, and maybe, maybe in the future, not having to take like the studio style microphones and being able to take like that shotgun mic that I bought, mm-hmm. maybe using that to record, and just the soundboard and that and the stand. And now I'm carrying three items versus like fourteen thousand items because <laughs> it looked like I was getting ready to open like. I was getting ready. You know how John had his table set up selling cards. It looked like I was about to sell sound equipment. I'm opening things out of the box and setting them <laughs> neatly there. It'd be two fifty for that microphone. That's mm-hmm. a good deal. You buy that one, I give you a cord for free. <laughs> you know, start start selling used audio equipment at nationals. I almost I almost had to buy those headphones from you. Oh, they're they're super nice. nice. You yeah. you want to know you want to know something funny? Hmm. I think they're like forty nine ninety nine, which is. The quality of them is so much far above that price point. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, I got I got two two sets of them. I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty solid. Better than the just like ear plug headphones I brought. So <laughs> yeah. So I guess we can move on from the promo reviews. Um, we just acknowledged that we both enjoyed. I think the consensus is that everyone enjoys the the foil promos, but. The the hesitant um, being hesitant about handling them and whatnot. So if you have won a bid with John Early and you're getting some, or if you're going to buy some in the future, just be aware to take special care because I'd hate for somebody to spend a lot of money on one of those because it does have the the status of being a national promo. So it's going to have a higher price tag, and then get them and you know feel like they lost some value because it gets scratched up the first time they try to put it in the sleeve. So going on record just to say, be careful with those. They they still look wonderful. They're they're beautiful looking cards. 
You just mm-hmm. got to handle them really carefully. Yeah. And if you're purchasing one from, you know, especially if it's from someone that you haven't really traded with or, you know, they don't have much trading notoriety or whatever, maybe just ask for a picture beforehand and, you know, just to, just to be safe. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's one where you probably definitely want it to be sleeved and in a top loader in mailing. Yeah. Just to uh, further that, avoid that. Get that tracking number. Yeah. Any any national promo you buy, you should probably get a tracking number. Speaking of, yeah. uh, before we get off that subject and, and move to the next thing, which is starter decks, um, I ended up playing a couple of different people. I, out of all the people I played at nationals, you and John Michalesian, um, if I said that right, if I didn't, there's so many people that say it differently, and I'm I'm saying what it looks like it's spelled like some some people say Mealesian, and I'm That's like what I normally say I'm I'm pretty sure there's a C in it when I when there I is, see it, yeah. so I, I was just like I don't know I'm just gonna keep saying it until I get corrected. I haven't been corrected around him or from anyone in his inner circle. So Mealesian, I played him opening round of Type One. I played him in teams, played Emmanuel in teams, and I played you in teams. And those were the only games of people – or no, I played Steve in, in Booster. And apart from that, everybody was a new opponent for me through all the categories I played, wow. um, which was which was fun. Mm-hmm. And um, one guy, I played Brett in Type 1, and he also was one of the teams mm-hmm. um, that we played that unfortunately, you know, fell victim to the, the circus. Um, <laughs> but he was like – did you buy my son of God and my angel of the Lord? I was like, I don't know. Were they national winner promos? <laughs> Probably. And then there was uh, someone else was like, you bought you bought a card or two from me. And so like doing doing some of these transactions and whatnot and having solid trade etiquette with people leads mm-hmm. to more more pleasant experience when you play somebody. Like if I'd sat down there like, did you try to buy my son of God? Did you tell me you would buy it and never send me money? Like that's a more awkward conversation. So yep, just, yep. just make sure you, 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 you work on building a good, strong reputation within the community for being someone that's easy to work with and whatnot. And make sure you, when you say something, your word means something. So just, just throw that out there. It's good life advice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even outside of trading and that kind of stuff, but. Well, we try. So yeah, we're a self help podcast now. <laughs> Any anything to keep the content coming. I'm running out of ideas, guys. I gotta I gotta do something. Yeah, if you so, need uh, you know, therapy after you know, losing to Jeremy or something, you know, well, yeah, we can work that in. Yeah. I I can't help you there. I I still need the therapy sessions for <laughs> for it. So I guess that takes us to the starter decks, which is another high-end item that people were excited to see how they looked in person because they're coming out on a new card phase to where they don't have the white border. They're going to have more of the color that goes to the, to the edge. So they're not borderless per se, but they're not full art either. They just don't have the white border. So the color Mm -hmm. in essence is just a thicker border on them. What did you think looking at them? Because I think, these are fantastic looking starter decks, but upon just first purchase and looking through them, what were your initial thoughts? Um, so actually I first saw them at uh, North central regionals because stay the night at, at games the night before. Oh, of course. 
in hand. And so, you know, he let, he let us look through, um, uh, you know, like we, we were each looking through one of the decks and, uh, they, you know, obviously, yeah, they, they look great. Um, and I was not, or like, I, w- I was pretty excited to get my hands on some of them at nationals and just have a copy, even if they're going to change and they're going to, you know, look different. Some of the abilities might not be there, um, or it might be different. There might be a couple extra cards in the, you know, full final release, but these ones looked really sweet. And I think that, yeah, it was, it was really cool to be able to, to get, uh, a set of those, you know, in addition to the new stuff from, from GOC. Yeah. The starter decks looked fantastic. And then me and Rob M who did some play testing with those did our first game with them on live stream <laughs> and it did not go so well. And I told you that you should delete that because of how bad it went. And I was like, it doesn't make the decks look good. And also the fact that like they were, they were playing really like slowly and just very cumbersome. But it was also the fact that we, I didn't read through the cards, like having them in my hand, read through them before you were like, I've got them sleeved up. And John's like, play on live stream. And I was like, no. And he was like, come on, do it. And I was like, okay, fine. So live stream, never read the cards in detail. Like uh, we've seen them when they were spoiled, but not mm-hmm. looking at all of the Philistines together and seeing how they work together and, and all of that. And right. then trying to go in and play a game and it ended up not being a great experience. And then I, I was way more critical of them than I should have been. Cause like Chris and Tyler worked on these a lot and because I talked to them and I'm around them a lot. Like I was, I was real casual with it. I was like, man, these things play just like IJ. I was like, it was like, <laughs> you look at their hand, you get a lot more hand knowledge. It feels like, but then mm-hmm. you see that they have more negates than you. And you're like, all right, well I've lost this battle. <laughs> and, and I was like, it just, it didn't play well. And they were like, well, how, how quickly did you get to your choose the blocker character? And I was like, well, it was literally the last card I drew in the in the deck. So uh-huh. I had already burned all the enhancements that went with the purple side of the heroes. And I didn't I wasn't aware of like how the you know underdecking to kind of be able to win the attrition war. I, I just didn't know how the decks worked very well. And so I feel like it led to me being a little bit more critical up front than I should have been because I have since uh, seen other people play games and they turned out great. I've played a game or two uh, with them since then. In fact, I ended up telling you that we had to push the recording today because I uh, broke them out with Keegan and played with him. Mm-hmm. And I ended up smoking him five to one, which is not generally how those decks work, but he was drawing a lot of um, defense and I got all the good enhancements before he did. And it just, I ended up always having more enhancements than he did and, I had a dominant when he didn't have a dominant to after he gets rid of all of my evil characters, I get to go and add an evil character to battle and then discard all heroes in battle. It was, it was pretty cool. A very eventful battle that last battle, like we played each like three or four enhancements. And then mm-hmm. I ended up doing the dominant to add discard one in one of the heroes in his territory to add a new blocker to battle to then, have initiative against a big band and discard all heroes in battle, knowing he didn't have a negate in hand. So 
a lot more engagement opportunity once you know how the decks operate and and whatnot. I think yeah, and and I think as far as a teaching tool, which is what people are really excited about these. Um, I know I'm excited. Me and Brad are doing a small group or life group, if you will, at church for trying to teach the game to some new people. Hopefully some people come out and do that. We're starting that on the 14th. So next Sunday afternoon will be our first one. And so we've got all the IJ extra cards that have come out with both phase one and phase two that I've collected. So we can Mm -hmm. put some IJ starter decks together and then, I also was able to buy a second copy because I want to keep one copy of the starter decks, you know, unplayed and just keep them as a collector item. But I was able to buy a second set from someone that was reselling at nationals. So I have, you know, one set of the new starter decks to be able to play. So as far as a teaching tool and seeing the borders, how they match. So this brigade character, this brigade enhancements that go on that character look the same. I think that, especially for teaching younger players, are going to be almost kind of like a light bulb thing instantly when they see it. Now, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the idea that maybe you know in the future, when cards come out in booster sets, that we would have certain borders meaning certain brigades and things of that nature. I don't, I don't really like that idea. But as far as self-contained in the starter decks, I don't see an issue with that, and I really think it makes the the learning curve that much easier when you see that this matches that. So you can play it on that without even having to check the icon box. Yeah, I definitely agree with that being a step in the right direction. Um, I think that's, that's one of the things that like whenever I'm teaching a a new player, they're like, okay, then what does the color around the border mean? And I'm just like, Oh, nothing really like it. (laughs) Um, But now, yeah, like the, the starter decks, the, those borders being kind of like, uniform for you know, the, the brigade that they correspond to and and with the uh, updated versions it sounds like the brigades on the borders will match the yeah the the brigade of the icon i guess you know the brigade of the card um the color of the border will match the brigade of the card i guess is a better way to say it uh, so that will be you know, very clear for people who are starting out and I don't think it'll be that confusing for, you know, like once they get new cards that don't have matching borders to the brigades. Like, you know, I think at that point they'll understand, okay, like, okay, it's the, the brigades that need to match the border doesn't actually matter, but it does make it easier to you know, soak in at first. And yeah, I only played one game with the starter decks so far. That was against Emmanuel, and yeah, that was a really fun game. It was pretty back and forth we both got a block by just um negating the hero that played a lost soul from our deck <laughs> um, with that you know with the, the evil character that just negates a hero um and so yeah i think like there's a lot of like all the abilities are pretty simple but i think there's enough variety to um yeah, make the games interesting and even though the, the decks are balanced, like you said, you know, the, the cards will come up differently. Like, you know, you'll draw your choose the blocker hero. I'll draw my, you know, card advantage fortress. <laughs> and, you know, those will, will change the way that the game goes. And so like, even though the decks are symmetrical, the games are 
still going to be different and, and interesting every time. And so I think that that's a really good design for the starter decks. And yeah, I'm excited to to get teaching people with these. Yeah, I think sealed is kind of the only thing there where people probably want a firsthand experience account of. And unfortunately we can't give it because we both play teams. So I do know that from other people's experience with them in sealed, they worked out well to where it was mostly positive from people that played Mm -hmm. um, sealed. But the one thing that you did here was the people that had the K deck that had the Egyptian defense. So that's the one that has David and then has the Egyptian defense is -hmm. when you crack open a prophecy of Christ and you get Egyptian cards you can't really just splash them in because the brigade change. Right. But then when people cracked open that LOC and they had the Philistines, it was like open season, all of that goes. And that's an unfortunate thing that because we're testing them in an environment, that's not what they're going to ultimately be designed for because talking to Tyler, it seems like they're so they did announce the new set and we'll kind of just let this lead into that. The new set is Israel's rebellion, which is what happened after they were, you know, delivered from Egypt, from Mm -hmm. being um, in bondage in Egypt to where Moses let my people go. You have that they're, they're delivered, but now they're in the wilderness before the promised land and all of what happens there where they rebel against God. That's where you end up getting, you know, some uh, worshiping idols, creating false gods, and all of that. So Israel's rebellion is for this period, and that's the the new set that was announced that they gave a little bit more information on that. But unfortunately, I didn't remember all of that. So I remember hearing it, and it, it sounded really cool. But the point is that it's going to work almost like a block to where you have the starter deck and then Israel's rebellion, and then you'll have one more set that'll kind of finish up that story arc and then sealed deck with booster packs from those sets that work directly with the K and L starter decks or Israel's deliverance starter decks is what the ultimate goal is. So that's the environment that they're creating those decks for and not for people to be drafting or, or opening packs of prophecy of Christ and lineage of Christ to go with them. So even though it kind of created a slight imbalance in cards that you were available had available to you to put in your deck and work with what was already in there. It's an unfortunate thing of testing these cards and using this as a, you know, a, a wider scale play testing because it, it doesn't have the cards that are eventually, you know, going to be designed and created to work with the starter decks in sealed deck. So the issue about the imbalance there is going to be solved when sealed deck happens and you have booster sets that are, directly tied in with the starter decks. So I think that'll work itself out and actually create a better sealed deck experience overall. Yeah. I will say though, with the, like you're talking about the imbalance with like the Philistines versus the Egyptians, but I think there was also enough of an imbalance with the offenses where like, you know, prophecies of Christ, that was a, like every other card in that set was green. And so the K deck got, that is kind of an advantage, I think. Um, <clears throat> and then LOC had had white, um, 
it had purple and it had black and it had pale green. So it had, you know, two of the brigades in each deck uh, as kind of the main brigades in the, um, in the set. But then, yeah, I think the, the fact that, you know, opening LOC with the Philistines, like that's going to match the set or that's going to match the theme and the brigade. Uh, then when you open Assyrians and LOC, then, you know, those match the brigade, but they don't match the theme. And so some of the cards won't work, you know, quite as well as the, their kind of counterparts in the Philistine deck. But all that said, I, I don't know what the actual statistics are yet, but I know like towards the final rounds, like the top, uh, at least like both of the players at the top or like all four players at the top two tables had K decks. Yeah. Which is, which was kind of strange because you would think that the Philistines, you know, the defense would have the advantage there because also the LOC packs had starter deck cards. And so getting some of the Philistine like spears or like there were some SAFs going around, which that's uh, pretty good for uh starter deck level card. I mean, like he's, you know, one of the better characters in the, the IJ starter decks. And so you kind of got some of that around as well. Um, but for some reason, the K decks seem to be doing better than the L decks on the whole, which uh, I think it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I guess that that shows that the potential offensive boost that they got was enough to push past people opening the the packs with the Philistine stuff to pair with yeah. with that. But I know that when we because they used the the people that were playing teams, a lot of a lot of us were I guess players that were adequate enough to help check decks for sealed to get that going. Mm-hmm. Um, so we ended up helping check. A, you know, they assigned us to a row to help check. I I want to say most of the people that, that I saw, they and I don't know if it was excitement about about the decks by themselves, just the decks how they how they came and wanting to play them that way. But there I don't remember a ton of cards being added um that were right. outside of that. Like and we're talking like each deck maybe five new cards going into it. And maybe, you know, an extra card or two in the reserve because it starts out with a four. And, a, you know, I saw some like six or seven card reserves when I was was checking, but mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of, um, I think at least two of them, I think were one card different and that's it. One card or less. Right. I believe I saw one that literally there was no changes, just played it straight up. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, like Rob M's deck, he, I think, added two or three cards is what he said on the boards and he ended up taking second. So like the decks by themselves are pretty good. And yeah, I think that there probably was that element of like, you know, people haven't played them yet, so they don't know which cards aren't necessarily going to be as helpful. And, and you know, when you're opening packs, you only get, a few of the new cards and so maybe only one or two of them actually you know does fit your brigades and and i think also like the time was a limiting factor like you, know, you had 10 minutes to open your packs and, and build your decks and so i think that there wasn't quite as much trading going on as there there could have been um and then also like 
yeah, there just aren't any obvious choices of cards to swap out. Like there are an I and J where you have, you know, like a, a couple of enhancements that you know, aren't really all that good or a couple of characters that are, are meek and, you know, like just, you know, if you have a, another character of the same brigade that has an ability, you might as well put that one in because there's not really any uh, meek synergy you know, within the starter decks. It just happens to be you know, characters without abilities. Yeah. So all, all of that leads to kind of where you, you kind of want to see the statistics on those that were at the top with all of those K decks. How much did they change their deck and, and what were the cards that they added to kind of overcome the potential? Because it seems like when I say that you're able to open LFC and get Philistine stuff black that matches your black defense, it seems like there should be a swing that goes that way especially mm-hmm. with the fact that LSC also potentially gives you some white that works with your heroes on in that deck. But seeing all the K decks kind of rise to the top. And when I played Keegan earlier today, I mentioned that I beat him five to one. I'll give you one guess which deck I was using. <laughs> and and uh, it's, it's crazy because they're mirrored decks, but like there, there's got to be, there's got to be something that accounts for that a little bit. To, to why K just seemed to rise to the top in sealed. And I, obviously that's kind of a, it's not a just direct um, research. It, it's not a, what, what is it? You have a constant and a variable usually that you're, you're testing things. Uh, yeah. Control. Yeah. You don't have any, any control because there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of people playing with just straight up decks because they had the potential to change things. So mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing really to compare it to unless you just start looking at what cards were added and whatnot. And did the K decks, did they just boost their offense that much? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was also playing the K deck when I played against Emmanuel and I won that game. So yeah. And <laughs> the crazy game where I was more overly critical than I should have been against um, Rob. And like, I got a couple of early blocks, but then he pulled away. He was like four, two on me and I came back and won five to four I was using the K deck. Hmm. So let us know if you've played the K deck and you've lost because you might be the only one. It's that Daniel son of God. That's yeah. got to be what it is. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of son of God. So I really like the, the Gustavi Dore art that's mm-hmm. on the L deck. I believe it is that has yeah. the darker image of Jesus. And it's like, when he was in quote unquote purgatory or whatever, it looks like that's kind of what I take from the artwork. And so it's, it's kind of him with his cross, that image getting ready to ascend from death. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of where I place that in my mind when I see the artwork. And I really like that. And I think honestly, if there's a chance to use that for legal games, it'll be the son of God that I use forever now probably (laughs) just because i really like it chris said that there might be a chance that if it doesn't change the wording which son of god won't change the wording that it might be legal even if they change to potentially the artwork that gabe mentioned wanting to use like baptism of jesus and then the lion of judah one oh those are yeah the jeff haney art apparently that's possibly still in play i don't know if it's going to happen or not so I'm not saying it's going to happen, but Chris said if it did happen, there's a really good chance that the Son of God's 
that are in the test run of the starter decks would still be legal as well. But uh, I don't, I don't know how that all looks, how it shakes out, but make those pretty rare then. Yes. So we were sitting there uh, playing with key and he's like, this son of God is my favorite. Daddy, can I put this in my deck? And I was like, son, I've got one set that I want to be a collector's site. I'm going to keep together, which means that there's only one of this son of God artwork. And he's like, but I like it. I was like, I know, son, so do I. And then, like, how do you reason with him? Like, no, you mm-hmm. can't have it. Back off, kid. <laughs> got to so, buy another copy, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm not, not, really, not really looking forward to paying the advance prices. I ended up getting the the second deck that I bought at Nationals just to kind of say what the market was initially. I was the first one that I heard buy a second one from like a resale versus mm-hmm. getting, you know, directly from Rob at 25. And I paid double. I paid uh, 50 bucks for a second set, which I think is reasonable. Sounds about right, yeah. And, and what I, I would think that the market would kind of bear at least – in the early and then you know as they get played in like unplayed versions become are really good quality versions become more rare maybe it goes up a little bit from there but not much i don't think but i'm not really looking forward to to buying another one because also with the 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 play group that we're trying to start at church i'll probably just end up wanting to okay 50 50 I'll buy $200 worth more. Give me that way. I have like five sets and now we can have five games of the new starters going like that's a slippery slope. Like where do you stop and, and get off? And right. I think I just got to get off at the one before I'm like, we can have 10 players playing with the new starter decks. Mm-hmm. Well, so now I guess now you got to kind of cross your fingers that I don't get the, uh, the Jeff Haney art for Keegan's sake to said he can get the, yeah, that that same art for the Son of God. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm maybe okay. to like the Jeff Haney ones better. I don't know. He probably would. The Lion of Judah one, I, I think, yeah, would be right up his his alley. Yeah. Um, but also in booster draft releasing at nationals was Phase Two of Gospel of Christ, and I ended up playing booster while you were playing Type Two. So, um, I got to see them a little bit before you, but obviously. You've now opened up a box as well, and I ended up buying three boxes at Nationals um, because three boxes is what I would buy if I was buying them through a retailer and pre-ordering or whatever, and I lucked up and got all three at Nationals. There you go. Rob had had sold some, and then his table was kind of moving slow in the afternoon. I was like, you want to go ahead and open it up for a second box? And he was like, <laughs> um, I was like, come on, man. And he's like, you know what? I like you. We'll do it. <laughs> and I was like, and we can buy another another super pack. And he's like, yeah, I get. I guess I'll let you. And he had two two super packs left from a box. And he's like, do you want me to open a new box for you to get one out that has a chance at an ultra rare? And I was like, shoot, yeah, I do. So Rob turned out to be a fantastic guy to deal with. Um, and then right before he was leaving, he's like, I got a few more boxes. If you want any, the more you buy, the less I have to pack up. And I was like, all right, let me get another box. So I got a third <laughs> box. So then I'm I'm done with that. And I think the only card that I ended up not getting was Crown of Thorns. Hmm. I think that's the, oh. only, the, only, the only rare that I didn't get. And I got, out of my three boxes, I got one of each of the ultra rares. So nice. that's, a, that's a nice spread there. 
Yeah, I kind of wish I had uh, thought to get a second box. I just, like, the the day was so busy. Like, after I got the, the first box in the morning, I just didn't really think to go get the second one. And uh, when I was opening the boxes with Jared, like, I opened my box first, and then Jared started opening his box, and it kind of made me realize, like, how many cards that I didn't open that I wanted to get and like how many cards there were that I wanted to have duplicates of for type two and all that. And I was like, Oh man, I really should have bought a second box, but yeah, I guess I'll have to wait till and, the, and the retailers get them. In your defense, he started selling them on type one day. Right. Yeah. Okay. And type one day, I was not busy with a lot of winning and you were busy winning. <laughs> so let's just say that's why, like, honestly, I wasn't very thrilled about, running into a bunch of versions of widow and all of that. So until that night and when we stayed at Andy's church in Indiana that I mentioned, and I stayed mm-hmm. up working on making changes to that deck that you had built that mm-hmm. I had played um, before that, I was not going to play type one. I was hoping oh. that there would be some, some other people available for side events. And then it started to look like that really wasn't like the way the side events were going there wasn't going to be a chance to do side events while type one was going. So it was like either play type one and I ended up using it as a chance. I played a a few newer players and using it to like teach the game a little bit. Like I ended up playing, I believe his name is, I'm I'm probably going to get this wrong, but from Colorado, the guy that does the witness TikTok videos, uh, Brent Johnston, I believe is his name. Him Mm -hmm. and his family were there. Super cool guy. And I ended up using that to, you know, as a chance to show him, you know, kind of the mechanics of the game a little bit better as we were playing and not really being super competitive. I did the same thing when I played Julio Negron, the guy from Wake Em Up Ministries, Rob M's friend from New York. Mm-hmm. So I think that was that was a, a cool use of if I'm not going to be super competitive and whatnot at least use it to have a good experience with some players that are new to nationals. Yeah. I think that's one of the awesome things about nationals is like, like when I tell people that I'm going to the, like a national tournament for the card game I play, they're like, Oh man, that's really cool. Like how did you get there? Or like, you know, get get to that point or something like that. And I'm just like, well, it's actually anyone can, can play. And like, you know, there are, definitely competitive players that you know if there was a qualifying you know thing for nationals that you know they would be the ones who are there but then like the majority of the players who are playing at nationals are just there to have fun and play games and and they're not super concerned about winning and i think that that's a uh, great attitude to have especially early on as you're kind of you know getting used to the game and um or or if you're playing in a meta that's annoying and you know, it can be frustrating like widow and like you don't want to you don't want to play it but you don't really know how to beat it or you know, things like that um and so i think that there's definitely still something to be said about you know going to nationals and just playing to have fun instead of you know worrying about winning every game and um i think that you know kind of as long as you kind of stay away from the the upper tables there, then you know, it's, it's pretty easy to have a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think that's something that is hard for me to reason and 
wrap my head around before like I got into games in type one and started, mm-hmm. you know, actually doing that is that I'm such a competitive person that if I don't think I have a shot to do well and be competitive and work my way toward the top table, like it's kind of like, what's the point? And, you know, sucking it up and playing and being able to share the experience with some newer players and whatnot and, you know, play players that I hadn't played before kind of, yeah, there's, there's, there's a, another side of that, that coin too, because if those guys don't have people that play them that are willing to have those experiences with them, do they have their best nationals experience or do they just play a bunch of competitive players that, you know, you know, blow over them with five, one, five, two wins. And, you know, there's no real engagement outside of that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so I, I was glad that I was able to at least use my, you know, not being thrilled about playing type one to maybe make it a better experience for other players that were, that were playing it. And I ended up, ended up playing. No, when I played Brett, he was like, did you buy my son of God, angel of the Lord? And that was the nicest thing he did to me that game because he, he, he like bowled me over five Oh, like <laughs> I had no shot in that game. He was playing a musician's deck and I came out and I had in my opening hand, I go first and I have, Noah, who obviously can convert to me, I have Enosh and Golden Calf. Okay, so I'm going to drop Golden Calf. I'm going to put Enosh down, come in with Noah, convert, hope he doesn't have anything, walk in for a soul, and I've got a little lockdown for a very simple turn one and saving all my resources for after I reset. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up having... um uh, he ended up having Deceiver to kind of work around my my little rescue there, and I never had a chance after that. He got rid of my meek, so Enosh was turned off. He had woes in his his first three to negate my calf, and that that was that was all she wrote in that game. But I ended up playing Nathan Voigt, and he was a fantastic player, and we had a really good game. He was up like four two at one point, but I did a couple of resets and came mm-hmm. down to. He just didn't get a a soul for me at the end. Or no, yeah, at the end he didn't have a soul for me, so I ended up having to reset. And I come in with Noah, and he he had drawn King of Tyrus, that had the <laughs> had the protect. So it was like whatever. But I mean that was a fun game. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that um, it, it's kind of cool. Like I've I've known you for you know a couple of years now. Like and just hearing you being like, yeah, you, or I played against Nathan Voigt and I'm like, Oh, cool. That's like, you know, people that I know kind of connecting and like, it's, uh, I think that just is another thing that goes to show like how fun nationals is like, now you get to meet this person that I know. And, you know, it's just, a uh, kind of the whole like family reunion sort of thing and, and getting to, you know, now talk with you about you know, playing Brett and, you know, how he's, um, you know, he's becoming a, a really good player, really solid player. And then, um, you know, actually, I don't know if he showed you like kind of his little like combo thing that he was trying to do in his deck, but, uh, I actually stole that for, uh, for teams in, in the team's deck. Uh, that that Justin and I were playing, or at least the, the deck that I was playing, I I kind of stole his 
combo, uh, which oh, I guess was yeah, that the, kind of the Noah play or uh, the flood play. I mean, yeah, yeah, the flood play. So um, that was something I was like, oh yeah, that, that seems pretty cool and kind of fun. So I, you know, like as Justin and I were building our decks, and you know, we were trying to figure out. I guess how to stop the widow shenanigans, like getting kind of the, the counters out during you know, prep, intro prep and and all that. And then I was like, you know what? If they do go off, it would be kind of fun to have this combo in there and you know just try to kind of turbo it out on turn one if they you know go off. And and so I kind of built around that and uh, and that was kind of fun. I, I could have played it against. Um, uh, Emmanuel and John, like I, I could have done it to. You could have, um, but like you didn't feel like rescue. you should. Well, I didn't need to at that point, and I was like, well, uh, it. I was going to do it just for kicks and giggles, um, but I actually ended up messing up that that rescue because I was supposed to abandon my own woman with child as well to search for second coming. And then we would have gotten that rescue and, uh, and then I would have you know, played second coming to, and that would have put us at five. And, but I, I was holding woman with child in my hand. And so when I played faith of Samuel, I was just like, you know, grabbing Emmanuel's and John's heroes. And then I grabbed the Daniel that J- Justin had taken from John, like in the, um, uh, it was actually in intro prep. John had put down Daniel and Justin activated flying scroll and took it. <laughs> and we ended up getting, uh, I think like two of our rescues with Daniel and their, you know, their, their whole offense. Um, and so that was kind of funny, but I, I abandoned in all the heroes on the table and then I was like, I, I just completely forgot to abandon my woman with child. And, didn't get that search. And then, uh, yeah. And then, then the whole thing with John at the end and Justin played mayhem, John drew, uh, burial son of God and second coming. So he was able to rescue oh, two man. Of souls and bury, um, the, he, <laughs> he got to bury their two meek souls and the covet that they had because, before Justin played Mayhem, I played Grapes just to get it out of my hand so that I would be more likely to draw into my second coming. Yeah. And so I had played a good dominant that turn, and so Burial was able to underdeck another Lost Soul. And sure enough, oh, I did man. draw into Crowd's Choice, which I would have been able to play to go or to, to get second coming. But because Justin had played Mayhem, then John was next in turn order, so he got to play his dominance before I did. Yeah. And yeah, that was so. So we lost, the, or we won that one timeout four to three. You guys seem to have had some of the worst luck you could have had at the team's table. <laughs> yeah, that, oh man. And I really thought, because what's harder than beating an Allstead is beating two of them. <laughs> and I have never played Justin, but I know I played you last year and John, and you guys whooped us and like. I was so shell-shocked by what you guys were doing that I didn't play a dominant when I should have. And you were like, after the game, you were like, yeah, I don't know why you didn't just go ahead and burn that dominant because, uh, like, it didn't it didn't end up mattering that you – I would have just 
at least created more resistance for you guys there. Right. You guys yeah, beat us. Like, happens so quick that like if you have the opportunity to play dominant, you probably should because if yeah. you don't, then the game's going to be over before but you have a chance to. Being that that was just my second time playing teams ever, and the first time was at a really informal, you know, like regional, like well, there was just two teams playing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't super competitive, and it was just like, okay, this is how teams kind of works figuring out the intro prep and then you guys with a full onslaught of like, we're going to do this to where every decision we made basically killed us in the end. It was fantastic Mm -hmm. decks that you guys had built. So coming into teams this year, I was like, Jaden's going to be really tough if he plays and then find out that you're playing with Justin as well. And I'm like, from all the way people talk about Justin, how good he used to be. And I mean, I'm sure he will be good again, but obviously not having played for a while, there's a lot of, accumulative dust or uh, I'm sorry, rust to kind of work mm-hmm. through, get the old pistons pumping again. But when you guys sat down and you won the dice roll, I was like, Oh no, we're, we're getting beat because <laughs> Jeremy, uh, Jeremy was set up to go first for us and mm-hmm. Justin wins. And he's like, I'll go first, which puts me going first. And I was like, out of me and Jeremy. And I was like, I don't know this deck that well, because it was just <laughs> basically a straight copy of, Circus, one of our decks had Ability Souls, and one of them had the first to kind of offset yeah. um, some of the, the speed bonus that the other deck had with some of the dominance and things. So I ended up going first, and I, I didn't feel good about it, and we ended up coming around. And anyway, it comes to the game is on the line. It's like 4-2. You guys are going in for the final rescue, and you you guys picked our um, – you, you took our Forsaken Lost Soul instead of our um, crowds, which ended right. up being, you know, kind of a costly mistake because it burned your high priest plot on the next turn. And then you took away Forsaken, but Justin was banding with David, who has a CBN band. And I think Jeremy ended up playing grapes on that battle. And we yep. also shuffled with our double Jonas. Each of us had one. We shuffled your storehouse. Yeah. And we knew you were sitting on Angel of the Lord in your hand and had no way around it. Like, I'm going to come in. I'm going to, you know, whenever anybody tries to block you on your turn, it's game over. Mm-hmm. And then the, the top deck of like the century, Emphatic Incriminators, <laughs> which top decks a good dominant from each hand and delivered. Yep. I, I told Tyler that story and he's like, I'm surprised. Or he was like, um, he was like, Shockingly, you didn't you didn't play those in the wrong order, did you? And I was like, really, really? You think I would do that? Let me discard the top card, and now I'm going to top deck. Uh, the way that game was going, Jeremy might not have been surprised if you did. Yeah, well, that that same turn, like the turn um, right there, I also thought I cost us the game because Jeremy's talking me through the deck. He's like, now do this, do that. And he's like, now play Widow. And I'm like, I don't have Widow. And he's like, how do you not have Widow? And I was like, because I don't play this deck. I don't Dude, know he how. He was so defeated. Yeah, he, he he knew for sure we got beat at that point. And you had, um, you had your Grapes of Wrath. So we ended up, I had Emperor Nero when you went in for your rescue. And so we were able to protect him from dominance, even though you had banned it, I think, at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Or was that, no, that was, that was on the play with Justin's rescue. We were able to do Emperor Nero so that we could play grapes. It protected him, even though he wasn't protected from, from the heroes oh, because right, it was long yeah. and we were protected from dominance to where dominant initiative got to Jeremy to play grapes. And then on you, you had grapes after he went Malchus to scribes to grab unsuccessful. 
you you hit grapes. And then he had another blocker. And I didn't think he had another blocker, but he comes out with like foolish shepherd <laughs> and ends up being able to play unsuccessful. Yeah, I think he had like three other blockers or something. He had foreign wives and foolish shepherd and I think one other evil character. But yeah, either way he had a, he definitely had enough to like get on the uh he definitely had enough evil characters to where he was going to be able to play unsuccessful as long as I didn't have a character that could um like get initiative if I had a battle winner, which all I had was Faith of Samuel and you guys had Wall of Protection. And so I wasn't going to be able to abandon anybody that would stop him from being able to play unsuccessful. Just none of that happens without that crazy top deck luck there. No. But also if you guys had taken if you guys had taken our crowds lost soul to where you went to pray, play your high priest plot and I let you, and this is something that I've learned the hard way. Don't immediately tell somebody when something does, isn't going to work. So, cause if you had played high priest plot and I was like hands protected then you would have been like, well, I can negate that. So I let you go to reach for Jeremy's hand to clear your target. And I was like, ah, we got crowds still. And so it kind of fizzled that. And that ended up being a, a clutch play that helped us win there. But definitely the highlight of nationals was for me being able to, uh, when I thought that I cost us the game because I was going, uh, Justin was going and then me and knowing that I didn't know the deck that well, because I refused to play it all tournament season because I didn't want to be like that copycat thing from last year where I felt like I had to play love at first sight to have a chance to, to win tournaments. And then the whole widow where he's like, no play widow. And I don't have it. I thought I cost us, but being able to do all, all that happening and us winning that game was fantastic. So then in the third game, the the third iter- well, uh, third item in this series of unfortunate events. Um, so we were playing against Brett Ayler, who we talked about earlier, and then his teammate was Andrew Street, straight, straight, something like that. Pretty close. Uh, sorry, Andrew. <laughs> um, so we were playing against them, and they're you know, both pretty decent players, and they had, uh, I think mostly they're like type one decks. I think they just kind of, you know, synergize them for, for teams a little bit. Um, I, I didn't actually play Andrew in type one, so I'm not positive what he was playing, but um, Brett's deck looked pretty much the same. So anyways, uh, we're, it was a very slow and defensive game to the point where like we're going back and forth. And I think it was, I think we only got two rounds in and in the last round I was going in for uh what would be num loss hole number two and I went with Elijah I chose um his Nimrod to block knowing that he didn't have any evil cards in hand and so then I um you know I was I had faith of Samuel ready to go just gonna abandon some heroes and you know we and call it a day. Um and Nimrod was prevented, so he couldn't play Shield or anything like that. <clears throat> so, uh, Andrew, he's got Falling Away, so he plays that on Elijah. I have Second Coming, so I play that to search my deck for Right On Victoriously and add that. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and play that to add my 
Noah to battle because he was meek. And so then Noah um, gets initiative against Nimrod. But before that completes, I guess, uh, he got to draw two off the bottom with Treacherous Land because I played a dominant and I played another multi-brigade card in battle. And then off of that draw two, Justin was able to use Priest of Zeus to uh, negate or to discard Treacherous Land so that he wouldn't get any more draws. And so didn't have to worry about that for the rest of the battle, but he didn't get to draw two cards that I didn't know. I played Faith of Samuel. I banded in enough heroes to have big enough numbers and then also Jeremiah to toss the next enhancement, you know, just in case he did draw something. Sure enough, he tosses a Jonah's Anger and then plays a Balaam's Teaching. Those are the two cards that he drew off the bottom. And, like, he got an enhancement to toss and then an enhancement to win the battle against a multi-hero band. So that was... That was pretty disappointing. Um, in my discard phase, then I was like, "All right, well, it's the last round. I'm just gonna like I, I got confirmation that it was in fact the last round. I was the first player to go, and so each other, each of the other guys was gonna have a turn. But I played offering your son to grab scapegoat from my reserve, and I uh, during the battle I had banded to David to, um, to to search for Solomon's dream so I could get son of God." And so I played Son of God on Distressed, put down Scapegoat, made everyone skip their next battle phase because, you know, they were going to have two battle phases and we were going to have one. They only had one lost soul and it was from uh, Brett playing Son of God. So I was like, all right, the odds are pretty slim that he's going to have a way to search for Second Coming. And, you know, so it's a kind of and worst case scenario we tie if that does happen. Um, which would be bad for us because we timed out against John and Emmanuel and they did not. Um, so anyways, we get to Brett's turn. He's drawing his cards like one at a time, all dramatically, uh, does not find second coming. He finds Solomon's dream, but doesn't have anybody to play it on. So he plays a few things on his turn. Yeah, uh, then we go to Justin's turn. He you know, does a few things, can't attack. So he, um, yeah, pretty much just passes. Um, uh, he, we realized after the game that he should have gone to his reserve with Storehouse for lacking prophecy, but he uh, didn't think to do that, so he didn't activate that, which, uh, spoiler alert, will be important. We go to Andrew's <laughs> turn. He, in his top three, draws Prosperity Law Soul, which in teams, that that's one of the you know, majority of lost souls that trigger for both players because you have a shared land of bondage. If you need a refresher on teams, there's a podcast about that a few, few episodes ago. Anyways. Um, you, you probably should have reviewed that the way the story's going. <laughs> <laughs> Treacherous land is important. It's good. That was one of the things in there. Um, so... Brett gets to activate Prosperity, and he discards a card from his hand, and sure enough, in his top two cards, draws the second coming. And this is out of, like, 30 cards left in his deck. Like, we've only gone through two rounds, so it hasn't been, like, a super fast, you know, speeding through the deck kind of game. They weren't playing Widow or anything, and so... 
it was just like uh it was it was a really bad beat kind of kind of a thing where it was just like he got the you know the the bottom decks with the, the bottom two cards and then the top decks with the top two and yeah so they played second coming to get to son of god they rescued another one tied us up at two and um yeah that and that was how we ended up in in third place and and those guys got second place which is awesome like i mean congrats to those guys because they're you know relatively newer players um i think i know i've played brett like i know he's kind of been a part of um Gabe's playgroup for um, a few years at least. So, like, I mean, you know, he's he's got some experience under his belt. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad to see them get the the second place finish there. And uh, even though it meant that Justin and I had to take third. <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's any consolation for you, we beat those guys pretty good. Which was fun for me because Brett, he's the one that I mentioned, beat me 5-0, and I never really had a shot. It was basically like, after my first turn, I'll shake your hand, you win <laughs> type of game. But the funniest thing in that game was they got a hand look off of a star ability or something, and Andrew looked at Jeremy's hand, and he starts talking about what's in it, and he's like, so I guess they're playing Prophets and Sadducees? And uh, Brett's just like, no, no, Andrew, they're they're not playing that. I'm pretty sure they're not playing that. And then when Jeremy goes, he just goes off, and it's like, no, they're not playing that. Yeah. So that was that was a funny little little start to our game against I mean, them. But that that's kind of how I felt playing Jeremy when I got the hand look, and I was just like, what is going on with his deck? Like he's got an Abraham, he's got a post-exilic hero. I think it was a Lyud. And I was like, this is just kind of a weird combination of stuff, but I was pretty sure like he was playing widow. So what's going on here? Oh, widow was in there. Trust me. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I found out. Eventually. Yeah. So I guess the way you found out would be over the course of your encounter with him in type one, which I guess Earlier we mentioned type one and I, I think people would be mad if I had this podcast had you on and you had just one type one and we didn't ask you like me and you both kind of mentioned about your deck not being the best and just being good enough and you being a, a good enough player to make it, you know, make up the difference. But ne- neither one of us like clued the audience into what that deck was or anything. So people that don't already know don't know anything now. So I'll let you talk about your deck a little bit. And then we'll uh, we'll ask you some questions about getting out of your brother's shadow. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All right, so <clears throat> yeah, I guess most people probably know. At least if you pay attention to my channel at all, um, you probably know that I was planning to to go in playing post exilics. Um, at least that offense, I was kind of waffling a little bit with the the defense um, at. Minnesota State and North Central Regionals, I played with a you know, uh, more hand-control-focused defense with the the gray. I was like, oh, Pontius Pilot, he's super good. And then kind of mixing or like putting the hand-control together with the offense and the defense, um, 
I think just was a it was a it was a good match for that offense. Um, plus the the gray helped me fit Balaam's prophecy in more naturally. Um, so then it was like a f- couple days before Nats, and I was you know doing some test draws with my deck, just kind of uh, mostly working on like the timing part, and I was just kind of thinking like. Man, I don't know that the gray is going to be quite good enough. Like, I think I need the the whole herdsman you know, package, so to speak, to to be able to keep up with a you know first turn Matthew or like a you know someone does do a first turn intro or not intro prep, just prep phase widow, and um, I think that that was probably the right call. I don't know. Um, it, it actually, I don't know how much it really mattered uh, that I had Herdsman because I don't think I ever got a first turn block with him. And I think I was only attacked by a first turn. No, I wasn't even attacked by a first turn Matthew in, in like the entire day, which was weird. Um, like that was unexpected. But it was just kind of the way that the cards fell like against Josh. I got the stricken, you know, Jeremy wasn't running Matthew Emmanuel, um, made a misplay on his first turn, discarding his way to Matthew with prosperity. Um, and so, uh, I didn't necessarily need it, even though I had access to it in the games where it might've come up. Uh, and so definitely would have made a difference there, <clears throat> but uh, if I were to like play the games the exact same way, um, the gray defense probably would have done better overall. But anyways, um, I decided to go with the, the black Philistines. I saw a little bit of gray splash because I wanted to keep in Denarius. So I had Nero in there um, and I wanted to keep Baal's prophecy for the draw of Jeshua. And then uh, I wanted to keep Pontius Pilate in there Um but he went into reserve along with Emperor Claudius. So I had like clinging to power to get out Claudius. I had tenants kill the sun and I had stricken, which could both be played on, you know, black or gray. Um, so I figured that they you know, meshed together well enough. And um, yeah, I was pretty happy with the, the way that the defense ended up and the way it played. Uh, I think it, you know, um, like Goliath is a, it's a really good, blocker right now um it has been for a while but um and then yeah the offense uh, the the two changes that i made from or like since the big tournaments was just mostly like a cutting down on brigades and adding a little more um adding a little more resilience i guess to the deck and so i cut out zechariah the renewer and jeremiah Hopebringer for jonah and malachi so Jonah to be another kind of like first turn counter if I can go first and, and get him down. Um, I had plenty of, or I had a, maybe not plenty, but um, a good number of counters like Golden Calf and, and Jonah that I think are, you know, um, and pretty sure I was running Priest of Zeus, um, that all, you know, help against the, the Widow set up and, and all that stuff. Um, and so you know, it was kind of adding another layer there with Jonah and then with Malachi, he's a post exilic hero. So he you know, fits pretty 
naturally in there. And then I had, you know, Haggai in as well. So another minor profit so that I can take star cards from discard pile. And then also, um, I can, uh, top deck them if I, you know, only have Malachi and then just draw them with Jeshua. So he works pretty well with Jeshua and the posting Zillow offense as a whole. And so I figured that he would be good, um, just for recurring for sacrifice and uh, teaching in parables since I wasn't doing the impartial judgment stuff. Um, like, yeah, impartial judgment was not in the deck. Um, and so I thought that that would be pretty good. He also recurred some uh, defense. Like, I think he recurred stricken and betrayal uh, throughout the, the day, um, which is pretty sweet too. He doesn't have to get good star cards. Um and then the last change I think that didn't really come up, but I think was probably the right call was um, I swapped out or foreign wives was in reserve. I swapped her out for plague of frogs just so I could have another answer to foreign wives other than having the cross active and tossing amazing faith. Like that was pretty much the only answer I had. And, and you know, Posty's got to have a, an answer for her because of Zerubbabel and, um, you know, his draw to that's not optional if you want to convert him to meek. And um, so I uh, swapped Plague of Frogs in there just as like, okay, here's another thing that I can kind of surprise my opponent with when they try to get a wives block. I wasn't blocked by wives like the entire tournament, which I guess the other answer to wives that posties have is just doing the hand control stuff so that they don't... Um, you know, have access to her. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think I was blocked by wives the entire tournament, but I was ready in case I was. And looking at the top eight card counts, um, or the, the card counts of the top eight decks, um, I believe foreign wives. Yeah. She was one of the sevens and I was the one that wasn't running her. Um, and so I, I guess in my mind that kind of justifies that as the right call for me. Um, then, you know, plus she reduces the, the brigade count in my deck, even though I did have her in reserve. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was, that was pretty much what I was running. I do have a deck list on the forums if people are interested. I haven't gotten to, um, the report, I guess, or like the, you know, gameplay, uh, stuff as of this recording probably not as of its release. Um, maybe at some point I'll put it on there, but the, the longer I put it off, the less I'm going to remember, which is probably a you know, bad practice for me. But um, yeah, so I guess overall, I don't think it was the best deck in, in the tournament. I'll reiterate that. But I do think that there's something to be said about being very familiar with your deck and, um, you know, making kind of those little tweaks like I was talking about as you go through, especially like the big tournaments where um, you're playing against other high caliber players and other, you know, meta decks that you might not necessarily see in your local play group or, you know, just when you're um, playing random people on online or uh, on Lackey uh, where, you know, people are usually just kind of testing decks and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that knowing your deck well, and then 
and of course having played for many years also helps but also i mean just playing a lot um you know, i play a lot of games on uh you know just for the content purposes throughout the year um and also interestingly like i think that me watching the film so to speak when i'm editing my videos is actually pretty helpful for my gameplay as well because i'm like oh yeah i could have done that there like i'm you know i kind of have that built into um you know the editing process and i think that that definitely helps so um yeah definitely go check out some of the the type one games on uh, my youtube channel and rob m's youtube channel um and see some of the games from nationals of the at the top tables there and i think that you know seeing what players were playing and you know the kind of plays that they make um is definitely beneficial if you're trying to improve your gameplay and you know get to those top tables at nationals so be familiar with your deck and potentially even watch gameplay like recorded gameplay if it's been on stream or something all that to just reiterate the point that John likes to likes to say all the time don't build your deck the night before <laughs> so don't be in Bedford Indiana trying to swap the defense you know 2 days before the category that i would say is wise advice yeah yeah so let me ask you this because i saw one of your videos and you were challenged in this video by a previous national champion himself to really find a deck and make it your own and just goldfish it and goldfish it. And you ended up going back to an old faithful deck, something that you were very familiar with. So it seems like you took the challenge head on and ended up winning nationals. Did, did this, did this challenge motivate you? The people want to know, especially my buddy, Brian Jones. He really wants to know. Were you were you challenged, and you just had to had to get out of your brother's shadow? You know, um, don't think that had a whole lot to do with it. I think I probably would have played what I was playing regardless, but you know, it was it was something. It was there. Like it was it was a it was a thought that that kind of came went into the whole you know, consideration of like. You know, I should probably play this deck a few more times than I have this season and, you know, just kind of figure it out. Like, you know, there, there is kind of the temptation to play different decks at, you know, the, the bigger tournaments and then you know, get the element of surprise at Nationals. And, you know, that, that did kind of work for Jeremy because I didn't see his games at, at the bigger tournaments with his deck. Um but yeah, I think you know I, I wouldn't put uh, too much uh, too much credit there. I mean, obviously it was um, you know a good player who I was talking with that you're referring to, and and he knows his stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure about the whole whole brother shadow thing. <laughs> Yep. So that's the uh, that's the wrap on the Type One deck that won nationals. Now people won't have to be upset at me if 
they listened to this entire podcast and we talked about type one, but never actually talked about the winner's deck. And, you know, <laughs> their know just overshadowed everything. <laughs> yeah. I had that one I mean, epic game with Jeremy at Southeast regional. So we'll talk about that and not talk about your deck from nationals. <laughs> well, I will say, I will say this just because widow didn't win. I think the fact that there were like five widow decks in the top eight, still means that it should be there there should be something done about it <laughs> yeah and the fact that it won teams and type two that that too yeah i suppose so, that gets in there yeah I, I i think i think we're all okay with widow sailing into you know into the sunset and just having its 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 final run be this year yeah i think just a clean band would be would be fine by me I mean, like, how how devastating would it be to just rotate out early church and persecuted church at this point? Like, we've got the, now that we've got the new starter decks, we don't... Bro, I well, just okay. bought an eternal inheritance. It's in Cloud of Witnesses. Oh, it is. Oh, oh well, then go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't have love yet, so go I ahead. Yes, shipwreck might kind of hurt. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, like, once the new starter decks are released... Then we'll have Son of God. We've got a foreign wives and a scattered, sort of. So, I mean, if we rotate out of the starter decks in 1026 and early church and persecuted church, then I think that would that would fix most of our problems. Yeah, I think so. Matthew would but, still be around. But, but I think you would, you would run the risk of like turning some people off because then it makes it look like it's going to be like a rolling rotation. Like every time a couple sets come out, we drop a couple well, sets, yeah. even though it might not be the, like the, what you're, you're saying just because of the problem card just rotated out. But then it's also not like just to a new player. It's just this card face forward is a lot easier to explain than these sets. Yeah. So, but plenty of other games do like just these sets kind of, kind of thing. Plus, well, I guess the other thing is that I wouldn't really want widow to be around in classic either. So maybe a, a van or a rata or, Probably a ban is no is more erratas, just straight bans. That's yeah. what I'm here for. <clears throat> I, I think, think it's so much cleaner. It. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's like, less work. Nobody's gonna play Widow anyway if that combo isn't around. So if like, you like errata to say, you know, converts an evil character from a hero or converts an evil character to a hero in the the special ability for the enhancement that she gets back, then like nobody's gonna play her. So. <laughs> Yeah, so she'll be banned anyway, exiled, yeah, more right. more or less. All right, well, I definitely thank you for coming on the podcast and you know sharing about your Nationals experience. And you heard it from just a couple of, you know, Redemption National champs here, since I technically won a category, you know, pulling on the coattails of Jeremy. <laughs> um, just a couple of National champs just dishing and talking about the fact that Nationals was the best Nationals ever until next year, where it will be as announced at Nationals in Knoxville, Tennessee, with host Chris Fashman. So, there you go. Yes, it's on. The hype train starts now, Chris. We're going to need lots of fuel. Going (laughs) to need lots of fuel. Oh, yeah. Gabe set the pace car. You got to keep up. (laughs) So, well, thanks for having me on. I uh, appreciate being able to talk about my experience a little bit. I think that makes it 
makes me feel not quite as bad of for not having written the game reports yet because people kind of get you know a little bit of it from this. <laughs> yep, and and just the the biggest point to remember uh, take away from this entire podcast is that the sleep in at four eighty five Madison Avenue North <laughs> hates fat people. Okay, hates fat people. I didn't there even you tell you this when I was going through it. Did you know they charged my card like three or four times? When I was trying to check out, they kept telling me it was declining. And I'm like, it's not, it's going through. And she was like, no, it's declining. And it says on my my screen decline. And I'm like, you have $1,200 pending because it was 900 (laughs) when I left. But then another one randomly popped up on another account because I paid out of two different accounts. And the second account, she's like, ah, it went through. And (laughs) I didn't have to do anything. They ended up crediting them back. But there for a while, I had like 900 pending and the 300 that was actually charged and then the other ones were pending and i thought they would just fall off from being authorizations but they ended up going through and having to be hard refunds back but they did that without me having to call or fuss but still that's good at least i mean still to tell me that it's declining she's like it's declining i'm like no ma'am you just charged my card swipe it again (laughs) ma'am you just charged it again swipe it again ma'am ma'am how many times do we have to do this there's some kind of uh, disconnect there <laughs> where yes. either the software was was not showing her what she needed to see or she just wasn't seeing what she thought she needed to see. <laughs> yeah, well, so we'll just leave it with. Or she just wanted all your money. The sleep in hates fat people. She they steal like, from them. They make them use the stairs. Shower slick. She's the like, this guy, this guy spent hundreds <laughs> of dollars on cardboard. He can probably afford to pay for his room a few more times. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, guys, we're going to cut it off here, and we'll talk to you next time. Peace. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the Threshing Floor Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening and joining us for this episode. And I want to thank you all for all the kind words at Nationals, people that listen to the podcast, enjoy it, all of that reaffirmation that, you know, wasting a bunch of money on audio gear and doing this in my spare time is actually, you know, fun for other people, not just for myself. So definitely want to thank you guys for all the kind words at nationals and we can't wait to get into future episodes here so talk to you later peace